The day of love is here. Good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin and Query on what is supposed to be another nice temperature, but a windy Tuesday here in Indianapolis. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Jake has opened up his Honey Nut Cheerios to begin this. Yes, sir. Tuesday. It's the cereal of love, buddy. Morning. Uh, I, my daughter would argue Lucky Charms. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I got no issue with Lucky Charms. What is like the, what would be like a Valentine's Day cereal? Is there a... There's got to be. I mean, you got like cereals for Halloween and... Yeah, there's got to be something. I mean, there's got to be something, right? Uh, We will have Ross Tucker joining us a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. So an early guest here. Ross does uh, preseason TV for the Eagles. So he will bring some Shane Steichen thoughts to the program, hopefully. Um, and I know, <laughs> you know there are fans out there that are, uh, why didn't we see anything yesterday? Jake, I am under the impression, um, and I anticipate that we will hear something today in the final pen to paper for Shane Steichen, and it would not surprise me at all if we even had a press conference, and particular, or possibly all those things could happen as early as sometime this morning. Okay. So I am not of could the... Could it happen while we were on the air? It could. For Jim Irsay time... Not the time, press conference, but the announcement. Right. I think the announcement potentially, you know, maybe later in the show. You know, when you're on Jim Irsay time, oh boy, that typically okay. is not Eastern Standard Time. Um, so you never know. And I guess I'm not too shocked by the fact that we didn't hear anything yesterday. I mean, think about Shane Steichen's like aftermath of the Super Bowl. But that was a pretty crushing loss. I mean, you blow a 10-point right. lead and your family's out there and you know, there's a lot of things that you probably want to get done from an Eagle standpoint yesterday morning, not to mention time change, flying here. Again, you want to prep for this press conference, all of those things. So, again, I anticipate something happening today, potentially, uh, before we break bread for lunch. Yeah, I was wondering about that, though, yesterday because I think you're right. There are a lot of people probably that um, – Thought at the very least something would be announced yesterday, even though not official. But I think, Kevin, uh, you had made this point yesterday. They want to make sure like that every single possible contractual thing is locked, sealed, and delivered before they announce anything. Correct. Yes. Um, as I think I've said now for about the past month, Part of the patience and exhaustive nature to this process is simply scar tissue from what happened in 2018. That's why you're really getting nothing from the Colts in a confirmation standpoint. Uh, But we'll certainly keep you posted on that. Uh, I want to get some Gus Bradley-related comments from Shane Steichen a little bit later in the show. Uh, There's actually a little bit of Frank Reich Shane Steichen comments that we can hit on as well. Again, tonight we've got Butler and Villanova in action. That's really it from a local sports standpoint. Uh, but last night, Jake, you were inside a Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and the Pacers continue to be bad since, really, the Colts season ended. I, I, I couldn't believe this. I looked this up last night. Since the Colts head coaching search began, the Pacers have played 18 games and won two. Really? The fact that the it takes the Colts 20 NBA games to find a coach or something, right? Um, Here's what, to me, is really interesting. 
they're bad. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Really right? Bad on and, defense. And especially. they had said they're gonna be bad. And they started out looking really good. And then like basically the new year turned. And it's been brutal. They've won five games in twenty twenty three. They're twenty five and thirty four. They're a half game out of a top five draft position or at least being in that level lottery. And yet pretty good crowd last night and people totally into it because in the fourth quarter Tyrese Halliburton went off and then I looked up and I'm like wait a minute they're down nine yeah they, they just couldn't get a stop I mean Halliburton was right. incredible there in the fourth I swear I mean Jordan, Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson matched him basically right yeah him and Laurie Markkinen made everything they looked at there Pacers lose 123-117 and Utah's bad too all right and Utah's trying to do the same thing. Uh, they've got the Bulls on Wednesday, and then that is it for the... It's not even the first half. It's more like three-fourths of the season. The All-Star break begins after that. Uh, Buddy Heald, 2 of 11 last night. No Miles Turner. Um, I thought Jordan Wara you know, had some decent minutes. He's certainly, Jake, is not afraid to get the shot up. Eight attempts in 17 minutes. Uh, but I thought he came in, made a really nice cut. Tyrese Halliburton found, found him for a layup. And then he, I think he hit a three on the very next possession. Um, again, I, I think Warrior will be a nice bench piece. And I think he can be a nice bench piece on a really quality team. Yeah, I don't think this is just him on a 25-1 team. He's not afraid to, put, to shoot. There's no doubt about that. The one thing about him that, to me, surprised me, I, I mean, it would be disingenuous for me to sit here and tell you I know a lot about Jordan Wara, right? But at 6'8", it's a fairly compact 6'8". Like, in other words, he doesn't offer the wing length I think they need. And I know that that is such an NBA draft night buzz term from Jay Billis type thing. But he he kind of looks like just a compact shooting guard, even though he's 6'8", as opposed to like a long wing that they need. But he can shoot. I, I, I mean, he... He wasn't afraid to, to kind of get his own shot. So, yeah, to your point, I think he looks like somebody that you certainly kick the tires on, right? Why not? I was surprised last night to see 10 minutes out of George Hill. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Um, he did have a steal. That was his one statistical contribution. Yeah, he almost had the old goose egg. All the way across the board, yeah. I just... <laughs> I get it's 10 minutes, and I don't know if this will be an every night thing, but when a 36-year-old who is very openly talking about retirement is playing and taking up the minutes of last year's lottery pick, fair. what's going on here? Fair. By the way, James Johnson added back to the roster yesterday. Uh, that announced about three hours before the game. Like I get at times people have thought Chris Duarte is 36 years old, but he's not. He's last year's lottery pick. He does not play for you last night. Uh, George Hill and T.J. McConnell alongside each other. And there's no way to say this, Jake, without it coming off as a shot at at Hill and or McConnell. I I guess let's focus on Hill since he was just added. And again, he's six years older than T.J. McConnell. There's just no need to see a second unit with those two. Particularly, Jake, if the goal has changed. Has the goal changed to where now it's tank? Internally? I, I don't know that. It kind of feels that way, right? Isn't tanking meaning playing youth? No, I think tanking is meaning 
Not in this case, because our youth's pretty good, right? Well, some might argue Chris Duarte's done a nice job trying to tank at well, times this I mean, season. I would agree with that. So, again, I don't want to, like, act like the you know sky is falling here with George Hill getting 10 minutes over Chris Duarte, but I do not want to see that be the norm. I thought your guy gave some good minutes last night in Isaiah Jackson. He did. He's an energy guy, man, but but Jake, his athleticism is at is in the one percentile of NBA players. Oh, there are heart shaped Cheerios. Alex from the shop informs me. No, I forgot shot about there, that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Cheerios kinda like Reese's in the Monopoly game. Uh you care to guess what uh Rosie's taking in for Valentine's Day gifts to her classmates? So you can't do the candies, right? I'm sure there's some sort of allergy, you know, restriction, but we have gone with... I'll go with heart spun, like little, like, cushiony hearts. We have gone with what I always felt like was a staple for me at Butler Basketball Camp. <coughs> nerd ropes. Nerd rope and one other thing. Mark, care to guess? Juice boxes. Temporary tattoos. See, there is... I remember last year, one of Rosie's friends brought home organic juices juice boxes i'm like come on now what are we doing here it's valentine's day <laughs> organic juice boxes all right smith family uh we're going with fun dip in the bow and oh, oh yeah man. no 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 problem although that you know you want to start a, you want to make sure that we don't get too creative with the ingestion but yeah man well, now e- easy now the, the does this still come with the candy stick oh sure yeah i mean honestly last night the candy stick was a bigger hit than the Yeah, powder. I was going to say, that was always the bigger mm-hmm. hit, right? I'm like, it's still, you're still not done with that? Hold on, that has got to be, I mean, I, I, I've i never been a parent, obviously, but I, I would imagine that that's got to be like the biggest like sugar adrenaline know, bouncing off I the know. walls ever, right? And Maddie's like, we only got to take one of them home. I mean, that's like- We don't straight. have anybody else in the classroom. But yeah, parents are going to hate us for that. <laughs> the Bowen name will be getting cursed at dinner time mm-hmm. tonight. Yeah, well, Rosie's handwriting is so poor that, you know, maybe they can't make out. Do like, they still do... She's saying from Rosie on the Valentine's. Don't you remember... I wonder if they still do this. When I was a kid, in art class, we made envelopes for the front of our desk, and then you had to go to, like, Ziggy was a big one, I remember, or Snoopy. But you bought the like store made Valentines and you know, a pack of thirty or whatever, and you literally had to make one for every classmate that just literally like two Mark from Jake, two Kevin from mm-hmm. Jake, two Ann from Jake, whatever. And I mean that was it. And then you went around and put one in each person's little envelope on the front of their desk. Yeah. Do they not do that anymore? I, I think that's what they did when I was in school as well. I would assume something to that effect. But you know, nowadays, I mean hell. I thought it was a miracle that she was allowed to bring in Valentine's. Yeah, my daughter's got the thing. They're doing like, they have the old mailboxes that they made I was going to say, do class. they make the box, maybe? Yeah, they made them, and then, you know, they'll put them in like their little locker or whatever, and then right. people can put stuff in. So Now, we also, do they still make the little hearts that have the stamped, you know, be mm-hmm. mine yeah, and all that sure. on them? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. They yeah. basically are... Those are staples. They're basically Pepto-Bismol. Those are the right? candy corn of Valentine's Day. Literally. It's yeah. a great point. <laughs> it is kind of that, right? Great yeah. point. Uh, there was a guy last night for the Utah Jazz, Talon Horton Tucker. Have you seen this fellow? Yeah, he hugged uh, Mrs. Halliburton after a basket. Well, I, I, you know, they played for Iowa. He played for Iowa State, so uh-huh. I figured. Yeah, it, it was kind of a cute but moment. He, he speaking of Valentine's Day, he's twenty-two, going on forty. It looked like Willie Stargell playing he, basketball. I, I don't remember this when he was on the Lakers. That dude looks like he could go play for the Colts. 
undoubtedly, 6'4", 234, and it was like laborious watching him run up and down the floor. It looked like me out there, and like, then it looked like you playing knockout. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm like, why is he on the floor? He played 20 minutes, right? I thought he hit a three at one point. He had seven points, two rebounds. I thought, it, you know, does Shane Steichen need a fullback? That's what I thought at one That's point. That's exactly what he looked like. But, I mean, like, people around me were like, how old is this dude? Like, his, I, name, his nickname's got to be Pops, right? And I'm like, he's 22. I'm like, also, I'm watching it last night. I'm thinking, is Kelly Olenek going to be in the three-point contest? Now, Kelly Olenek, look, have you ever seen that movie Mask with Cher? Yeah, I've seen the I, one I, with Jim Carrey. No, yeah, no, no. I was going to say. I mean, old reference. Granted, you guys got on me about that yesterday. But he looks like Rocky Dennis from Mask. Is that the one with Eric something in it? Yes, Eric Stoltz plays Rocky Dennis. That looks like Kelly Olenek. Remember I saw and that movie as a child Rube Walker. Terrified. You conned me out of Rube Walker. You Jim Carrey Mask was one of my Halloween costume staples back in the day. Really? I never really liked Jim Carrey movies. Oh, there's a shock. It yeah. was all the same thing. Hate, hates Bill Murray and hates Jim, Jim yeah. Carrey. Carrey evolved as an actor. Did you ever see Truman Show? Yes. I never saw that, but I heard he was good in that. It's a great movie. I'm trying to think. I mean, I never really liked Ace Ventura. I didn't find it overly... The Jazz are a bunch of... Leave, just go. What is the slander you're talking about? The Jazz are a bunch of misfits, really. Uh, Totally. But Colin Sexton, Pacers had no chance to guard him either. Um, Again, they lose 123-117. They've lost 16 of 18. I believe one of those two wins, though, is over the team they're going to see Wednesday night. Oh, wait a minute. The Chicago Bulls. Dumb and Dumber was fabulous. I forgot about Dumb and Dumber. I mean, he's fantastic in that. And then Liar Liar was probably the best movie of all time. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber is the greatest film ever created. Have you guys ever... uh, Uh, Something about Mary? That's a close second. Okay. I I think we've asked this question before. Have you ever watched um, any of the Mighty Ducks movies? No. Mark? Yeah. Do you remember the character Luis Mendoza on the team? Wasn't I remember, there, but I can't. I can't so place the actor. Luis Mendoza was this just unreal skater, faster than anybody else on the team, but couldn't stop. That's right. Couldn't control his skating until at one point, you know, Hans Bombay's, you know, go-to right-hand man. He sets up all these cans like a little pyramid-looking uh, thing on the ice, and Luis has got to stop. He's got to skate the whole length of the ice and stop right before the cans. And of course, he knocks them all over the first time he does it, and eventually he stops. I find that way watching Aaron Neesmith play basketball. Okay. I'm like, he's got all this athleticism. He's so gifted. And at times I'm just like, maybe slow down and just kind of corral things a little bit. Just let's all breathe a little bit here. How do you rein him in? He's kind of the pitcher throwing 98 and we got to get him in the zone a little more. See, I think of him correct. He's the pitcher hitting 98 or, or, you know, on the, on the radar gun that, some games he's he's got control and you're like wow this guy is unbelievable and then other games you're like whoa time to pull him it's like you know he's very feast or up famine on the horse I thought last night he was pretty good but he's very feast or famine for sure and again things that you like that you've seen from him certainly this year but um, certainly room to fine tune that again Ross Tucker going to join us here in about a half hour Ross does preseason TV for the Eagles. We'll chat about Shane Steichen. He's a great guest. We've had him on before, so looking forward to that conversation. Indiana climbs to 14th in the rankings. Uh, Purdue drops to three. It's kind of wild. You look at Purdue's schedule, Jake. They only have five regular season games left. Hey, how about the Indiana women last night? So that was a ranked Ohio State team that they just pummeled? 13th ranked, and they absolutely... 
I ran them off the floor. Now, is South Carolina, like, one of the greatest women's teams of all time? I saw they beat LSU one versus three by, like, 30 points. It's just like Connecticut all yeah, over again? That, that's kind of what I'm asking. The South Carolina's one, IU two in the women's poll. Again, men-wise, Purdue falls to three, IU to 14. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, fourth straight Big Ten player of the week. Do you see that's the first time in conference history? Is Someone's really? done that? There are guys that I would have thought... Glenn Robinson's the first, or Calbert Chaney, either one, although Chaney played in the same era as the Fab Five, so that kind of got mixed around a little bit. Now, do you share that award? I feel like him and Zach Eady have had to have shared that in the past month. I, you just said four straight weeks, though, right? Right, but I don't know. You know, does that include? Co- I mean, it feels like Zach Eady would have to be the Player of the Year in the conference, but Trace Jackson Davis is playing at an unbelievable level. Yeah, really high level. Oh yeah, the Michael Jordan Valentines certainly staples. I would hand those to girls, and the reaction wasn't really what I was expecting. <laughs> no! It's like when they'd give you one from, of of like I don't know what would be the popular one when you were, like for girls, what would be a popular yeah, Barbie? I mean, yeah, or like today's it was generation, like Holly like Hobby here, in the eighties. Here, here's a you know frozen Valentine. Here's Polly Pocket for you. <laughs> By the way, the. We're all over the place here, I realize. But the South Carolina women, I'm looking right now, their last handful of games, they beat third-ranked LSU by 24. They beat they beat Auburn by 35. They beat Connecticut by 4. They beat Kentucky by 18. Alabama by 33. Arkansas by 46. Vanderbilt by 48. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Missouri by 31. So, yes, they Kentucky are. Kentucky by 39. <laughs> Is it still Auburn Don- by fifty two? Is it still Don Staley coaching them? Texas A and M, but wait a minute. Here's one. They beat Coastal Carolina one hundred two to thirty nine, so they eked out a sixty three point win. That was on the heels of an eighty seven twenty three win. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> uh, Mark, we're having some stream issues. They beat East oh, Tennessee one hundred one to thirty one. Day that ends in Y. So yeah, apologies on that front. We'll try to fix it. Excuse me. Yeah, the stream is really bad. Today. So we are encouraging people to head to the website or the app for streaming. That that would be the YouTube stream is what Mark yeah, is referencing yeah. there. Do you uh, think if I start talking like this, that, I, pay, no, I think you're yeah, feel, no. Now, does that no. on the stream then coming through coherent? I think that's one of the most horrific sounds in the history of the show. <laughs> Arguably the most. You want to hear the most annoying sound of all time? So apologies on that front again. YouTube stream having some issues there, so... Good old terrestrial radio slash the app slash our website, 1075thefan.com. When it becomes official, we'll have a lot of Shane Steichen content up on the site and hoping to have him on potentially at some point this week. Uh, So looking forward to that conversation. For those that missed it earlier, um, I am under the impression that something will happen in the final terms today and could even have a press conference later today to announce Shane Steichen. It's crazy, Jake. Two weeks from today is the start of the Combine. That is crazy. Now, we will be at the Combine, right? And we're a month away from free agency. Yeah, we're going to be at the Combine uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Are the Raiders guys going to be there again? Can we get them on the show? March. Yeah, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd we will be at the Combine. By the way, who sat in this seat last? Whoever sat in this seat yesterday, do we know who it would have been? They have the 
they have the setting set. Can you see this? It's leaning forward like I'm, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride going over hill number one. Who, 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 who adjusts, who screwed around with the well, settings? Yesterday it was Brendan King and Scott Agnes, I believe. Well, so that I'd would like be to your know, fellow Panther. I'd like to know which one of those guys feels like they need a seatbelt on this thing. Like, what, what? Yeah, that would be your fellow Panther. Okay, well, let me try to see if this one's better. Uh, yeah. We'll do that during the break. Yeah, Ross Tucker, again, from go. the Eagles TV network with their preseason. You guys have heard Ross before, big-time national radio voice. He's going to join us coming up at 745. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton. Supposed to be another nice Tuesday. Sounds like a windy, kind of like last Thursday. We were driving up to that Purdue game. and whew. Fifth highest Valentine's Day Some windy temperature on, on record. Is that right? Really? Projected, I believe so. Well, what are we getting up to? 50... 60, 62, I believe. Really? I, I think that's right. I saw last night uh, Michael Grady tweeted out a picture of uh, they had a wedding at halftime of the game he was at. Timberwolves and whoever. Wow, 62 tomorrow. Yeah. And drops a good old 35 on Friday. Uh, all right, happy Valentine's Day. Day of love. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Corey. Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Pacers now lost 16 of 18. Last night, 123-117, they lose the Utah Jazz. I did think it was the most complete game we've seen from Tyrese Halliburton since he came back from injury. He had 30-12. and 12. Buddy Heald really struggled shooting the basketball. 2 of 11. From three, no Miles Turner. Uh, the Pacers cut it to, was it two the closest they got there? Kind of in the final yeah, five or six minutes? Fourth. But some big time shot making from the Utah Jazz. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on the Pacers dropping yet another one. We got beat one on one in a lot of situations. I haven't looked at that stretch yet. But uh, the the irony was, you know, we made a really good play, I think, to start the fourth quarter where TJ steals the ball and scores, and then they turn around and run it back up and get a three-point play. I mean, in that situation, you know, we've got to get we've got to get back and resist the temptation to get over aggressive and get beat for a three, you know, for an in one. So, you know, that kind of got things going a bit the wrong way. Um, we've just got to really continue to work at, you know, gu- guarding our guy at the point of attack. If they force a switch, you know, then we've got to guard that guy at the point of attack, and it's a battle. Uh, speaking, by the way, of the Pacers, they are back in action tomorrow night at the Fieldhouse taking on the Bulls. Bulls last night, 191 losers to the Orlando Magic. It was Cleveland, 117-109. Donovan Mitchell, the former Jazz player that is responsible for half of their current roster, had 41 points last night. Cavs with a seven-game win streak. Other winners last night in the association, Portland, Golden State, Minnesota over Dallas, despite the fact that Kyrie Irving kind of went nuts, had 36. That He goes nuts every day, I guess. Luka Doncic had 33 in that game. Uh, Philly, Denver, the Knicks, and Charlotte also got wins last night. Yeah, well, one thing to mention from the Pacers last night, we did see Jordan Wara make his Indiana debut. He was 3 of 8 in 17 minutes with 7 points. A quiet night around the state college basketball-wise, but Butler is in action. They are at Villanova tonight. I believe that's an 8 o'clock tip. Actually, each of these teams have won two in a row. It's been a really poor season for each of them. Uh, Butler did win the first meeting over at Hinkle, 79-71. But Butler is a huge underdog for tonight. I mean, I get Butler's been horrific on the road, but they are a 10.5-point underdog to 12-13 and 
Villanova. Indiana back in action tomorrow night. That is at Northwestern at 9 o'clock. Purdue is back in action Thursday. That is a 6.30 tip at Maryland. And on the women's side of things, last night, Indiana 83-59 for Terry Moran's second-ranked Hoosiers, McKenzie Holmes with 33 points. She was 15 of 18 from the floor as they beat the Buckeyes, who were ranked 13th in the country, by 24. One other women's note, by the way, Purdue's game tomorrow evening against Michigan State has been canceled. That, of course, as part of Michigan State University dealing with a shooting last night that has canceled all activities in the East Lansing School for the next 48 hours. Yeah, the men's program, uh, Michigan State, plays Minnesota tomorrow night. That was supposed to be on campus, so that is canceled as well. For those that missed it, um, three people dead, five wounded. Um, The report from East Lansing, a 43-year-old with no affiliation to campus was the shooter, and he self-inflicted gunshot wound is dead so certainly thinking about everybody up in east lansing and i don't know jake when it hits big 10 country i I don't know just feels a little bit more close closer to i don't have any real connections to michigan state or east lansing but you know as someone that is getting ready to go teach a class at indiana university here in a few weeks that one was you know michigan state is a school that and and obviously this having nothing to do with the horrific incident last night Michigan State's just a school that I have always felt like, I mean, as somebody who went to IU, I always felt like Michigan State was the, was like a, a sister school to IU just in terms of like the social aspect of it and the kid that goes there and like, you know, I, I don't know. I just always felt like the, maybe it was the movie um, American Pie, like they live like in Grand Rapids or whatever, and they're just like, that was kind of like my high school experience, and I'm like, it just felt like it was just like Michigan State's just like the the friendly, normal, cool people of Michigan. You know what I mean? Yeah, that- my, uh, my sister-in-law actually transferred from Michigan State to IU, and she is, I think, referenced that both schools are pretty similar yeah. in that realm. Uh, we're going to have Ross Tucker join us here in about 15 minutes. Ross, very familiar with the Philadelphia Eagles. You've seen him a lot. Dan Patrick show. Um, a big-time national NFL voice. Uh, does Eagles preseason TV. So we'll get some thoughts. Shane Steichen related. And also is Gus Bradley going to be retained as defensive coordinator. Actually, some Shane Steichen comments on that very move. We'll do that next here. Kevin and Corey on what looks to be a really nice start to this Tuesday here in Indianapolis. 25 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Beautiful sunrise this morning. Uh, And they've got like pink and red lights out over the monument here. Gorgeous. Gorgeous Tuesday. Mark, did you shut the blinds behind me? I wanted to be able to see that. I did not do that. Okay, well. Can you open them? Six of seven of these mornings, something like that. (laughs) Sure. Let me get right on that. Sure, if you could. Uh, One of the things that perhaps could happen today, aside from Mark Dykeman opening up the blinds, is the Colts opening up their doors to Shane Steichen. We shall see if today is the day that they announce their new head coaching hire. What's interesting is, Kevin, that this is... The blinds are broken. The blinds are broken? Uh, This seems to be an understood expectation of what could happen, but there is yet to be any official word from the Colts that this is definitive. Yeah, and again, I anticipate something happening today from the definitive final standpoint. I even think we could have a press conference today, so we'll certainly keep you abreast of that situation. You know, I was thinking yesterday, I was trying to rack my brain a little bit because 
No, Shane Steichen coached uh, in San Diego with Frank Reich for a couple of seasons, obviously most recently with Nick Sirianni. But if you go back to those Chargers days, he was with Gus Bradley for um, four years. They were coordinators against each other, with each other, however you want to say. I, I say against because I'm just talking from a practice standpoint. But Steichen was the offense coordinator in 2020, Justin Herbert's rookie season. Anthony Lynn was their head coach. Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator during that 2020 season Uh, these two obviously faced off against each other last year inside of Lucas Oil Stadium and here was Shane Steichen this is back in November when the Colts were getting ready to play the Eagles again the Eagles had come off that Monday night loss to Washington and here was Shane Steichen on facing Gus Bradley this week we're going against a really good defense. I believe uh, they're fifth in total defense. Uh, they're really good on third down. I believe they're fourth on third down. Uh, I got a ton of respect for Gus Bradley, the coordinator. I worked with him for four years uh, in L.A. Uh, hell of a football coach, hell of a human being. Um, looking forward to the challenge. Uh, I know our guys are excited for it. Jake, you think back to that matchup, the Colts defense was outstanding. They held Philadelphia to 17 points. That was their lowest total of the season when Jalen Hurts was under center. Again, you read tea leaves, the history with Bradley, the Colts want to keep Bradley, those comments. I think anytime you're a competitor and the Eagles have had a great as great of a season as they did and Gus Bradley and that defense does that to you, there's a lot of reasons why Gus Bradley, I think the expectation is he will re- remain as defensive coordinator. Well, if you were to and I don't think that this is necessary, but I'm just stating it for the sake for, for the sake of the point. If you were to look for evidence that, in fact, since the Colts have not released anything, that Shane Steichen is the guy that they're going to pick, then you could connect the dots of the fact that it came out last week that the Colts were prohibiting other teams from interviewing Gus Bradley about positions that may be open and including laterally uh, or even uh, above that because of the expectation that their coaching candidate that there were quote multiple coaching candidates that were interested in retaining Gus Bradley clearly this would indicate that Gus Bradley that there is the interest in retaining him and I understand why Kevin I mean if it ain't broke don't fix it right the Colts defense last year was not their issue that was not why they no, were I struggling give a in games. Solid B, totally solid agree. B grade. Mm-hmm. Without again, Shaquille Leonard, of course, doesn't play for you. I, you know, Steichen's comments there. Hell of a football coach, hell of a human being. When you're an offensive-minded head coach, and we'll obviously see if Shane Steichen decides to call the plays here. But there's got to be the element of you have total trust into that person running that side of the ball. Now, again, I, I'd like to see a little bit more balance in head coaching duties and making sure that Shane Steichen has a full understanding and grasp of what's going on with every unit. Because I thought, at times, Frank Wright got away from that a little bit too much. But clearly, Gus Bradley is someone he respects a whole lot. The other thing that I was thinking, and by the way, Ross Tucker is going to join us here in about five minutes. Ross, uh, very plugged in with the Eagles, does uh, color on the preseason games and, and a great national voice. He'll chat with us here in a few but I remember back in, um, this had been several years, probably, I don't know, 2019, 2020, Shane Steichen, his initial promotion 
to a coordinator level happened with the Chargers. He became an interim play caller. I think it was Philip Rivers' last season there. And Frank Reich was actually asked about Shane Steichen uh, by the Colts media. And like, okay, you know, this guy who's been under your coaching or has been on your coaching tree, he got promoted. What do you know about Shane? And Frank basically said, really, really smart football coach, great mind, and he would categorize him as one of the kind of young, bright minds in football. The interesting point that Reich made in those comments was very much like Nick Sirianni, thinks that those two are very alike. And I got the impression when Frank said those comments a few years back, he met not only as a bright football coach, but more of a personality. Right. So I think what you're getting here is a little bit more Nick Sirianni side of the scale. I'm not saying this dude's going to be crying during the national anthem week one, but you're going to get a little bit more of that than a little bit more of the Frank Reich personality. I just want to know who's going to round out the rest of the staff. And I mean, we'll find that out, right? Yeah. And in addition to that, any specific coach, like like coordinator-wise, Reggie well, Lane-wise? Anything on the offensive side of the ball, right? There's so uh, many question marks, Kevin. We don't know what quarterback he's going to be working with. We don't know who the old coordinator is going to be. We don't know. A lot of people have asked me, and a lot of people I'm sure have asked you the same question, and that is, like I did a, and I'm sure you do a lot of these as well, Kevin, you know, when we do, like for example, we're, we're going to have Ross Tucker on. We also do the same thing in other markets, right? People want to know what's going on in Indianapolis sports so they have us on on different radio stations. I did one yesterday in, I think it was Kansas City, and they asked me, "Is Jeff Saturday going to stay within the organization in some capacity?" And you know, it's a great question. I think a lot of people are are curious of that question. My suspicion would be, for Jeff Saturday, from a coaching standpoint, it was head coach or bust. Um, does he move into an advisory or back into like a consulting role, or does he move into a front office position? I don't know. I, I I don't totally rule that out, although my suspicion is that it's back to ESPN. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, that is a question I'm curious about. You know, as far as staff, you know, mentioned Gus Bradley and retaining him. The Colts' current linebackers coach, Richard Smith, and their DB coach, Ron Milas, both of them are the same as Gus in that they worked with Shane Steichen on the same staff with the Chargers. So theoretically, you could retain those two have some continuity along with Gus Bradley. We'll see about Bubba Ventrone as the special teams coordinator. Offensively, of course, is where you have you know, the, the bigger questions. Um, there are some past history with Pep Hamilton, um, who was the Colts OC with Andrew Luck for a few years. Shane Steichen <clears throat> has history there. Kevin Petulo, who works at the Eagles, was here in Indianapolis under Frank Reich. There are some connections there. And this might be far, far-fetched, Jake, but... By all accounts, Shane Steichen is really close with Philip Rivers. If if Ventrone is not retained, do you know what they say to him? What's that? Oh, Bubba, no. <laughs> Sorry. You know, Philip Rivers coaching <laughs> in, down okay. in high school uh, in Alabama right now. Obviously, a lot to move his family back up here, but those two have got a really close connection. It, it is interesting to see who all, you know, what. And the other question I have, Kevin, is this. Is it of concern at all that it's two weeks before the combine and now all of a sudden you're kind of rushing together to put everything in place before you 
you know, you're not even totally aware of who all the people are that are going to be coming to the combine and working together. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm thinking aloud here, but is this a collapsed window to put together a staff before the assessments of the combine? Well, certainly more so than every other team besides Arizona is that other opening is out there. And I think the big thing in the next couple of weeks, get your staff assembled and then start evaluating your in-house free agents because we are only a month away from free agency. Uh, joining us now, by the way, on the Payless Sugars Hotline, and as we know from previous visits, uh, Kevin, Ross Tucker, not high school classmates, but shared the same high school with Taylor Swift. Right? Correct. Yes, we've made the, yeah, uh-huh. we had that discussion. <laughs> but that's not why we're having him on, correct, Kevin? Well, maybe next time she performs in the Super Bowl, we can we, we can have him on for that. Uh, Ross, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, you can check out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. And again, as we've said all along, um, does some preseason TV, the color analyst for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he joins us now. Ross, thanks for the time, man. Of course. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We are doing great on this Tuesday morning. We feel like there will be some finality today to Shane Steichen as the new head football coach of the Colts. As best you know, Shane Steichen's impression on the Eagles has been felt really the most where? Um, probably the play calling and play design, starting with when he took over midway through last year. Um, he's really impressive. And, you know, they had a super talented team all year. But I think the two things that jump out to me are, well, three things, I guess. Number one, you know, it was not going well last year, midway through the year. So they totally revamped the offense. And, you know, we were in a situation where Burks was not throwing the ball very well. So... They went out of their way to make it a run-based offense and help them get to the playoffs. I mean, they were coming off a four-win season, and they're able to get to the playoffs in Sirianni and Steichen's first year. And the big change happened when Steichen took over as the play caller. That's number one. Then you look at this year, and the two things that really jump out to me this year you know, Hertz was not even a top 20 quarterback, guys, in 2021. He was not a top 20 guy. This year, what did he get? Second in the MVP voting. And then, I think he played the best game of his life in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, look at all of the draft guides, look at all the previews. Nobody, and I mean nobody, thought Hertz could be the type of player he was this year, and in the Super Bowl in particular. And I think Steichen deserves a lot of credit for that. The other thing is, and I watch every snap the Eagles play because of my different jobs, they were well ahead of the opposition pretty much all year. Now, they have a unique team with the the talented roster and the best O-line in football, and Hertz has a unique skill set with his ability to run. But I'm just telling you guys, I mean... They barely even ever had a deficit this year. You guys actually probably got their worst offensive game of the year (laughs) against the Colts when they played in Indy this year. Um, But other games, man, it just felt like the D coordinators had no idea what to do. They were powerless to stop it. And we just saw it over and over again all year. I mean, those RPOs, when the quarterback can run – or he can hand it, or he can throw it. 
they just, I mean, they, they put these defenses about even the Super Bowl, the Eagles offense was pretty much unstoppable against the the Chiefs. They just had, you know, the fumble went the other way for a touchdown. Otherwise, they probably win. Ross, when I, when I look at the situation that presumably Shane Steichen's walking into, you know, the difference being, of course, in Philadelphia, you mentioned it. I mean, they have big-time playmakers. I don't know that Indianapolis has the open space guys like that, right? But he's worked with different quarterbacks of different skill sets. If you had to look to, to kind of review it in terms of his work with Jalen Hurts, for example, is he a guy that, that asked a quarterback more to conform to what he wanted or did he more cater what he wanted his offense to do around the skill set of the quarterback itself? In other words, is Indianapolis pigeonholing themselves on what kind of quarterback that they need to now get? Or do they have a guy that has the flexibility to give them variation of what they could end up with at the quarterback position? Yeah, so it's unequivocally the latter, right? Because... I felt like they were kind of, when Sirianni was calling the plays last year, I thought it was sort of like they had their offense they wanted to run and they were trying to fit Hurts into it, and it just wasn't going very well. I mean, they didn't have the receivers. They didn't have the quarterback. It just wasn't good. So they went to a very, very run-heavy offense a year ago, understaking because that was their best way to win games. I mean, that was their best way to win competitive, to be competitive. What's interesting is they go out and they get A.J. Brown, and then they see the improvement from Hurts in the spring and then in training camp. And so then they went to more of an RPO offense. But here's the thing. I mean, they still, I mean, they threw the ball most games to get the lead. And everybody's oh, their run game, their run game. That was usually in the second half once they had gotten up by two scores throwing the ball. And you mentioned it, his background at his other plays with the other quarterbacks. You know, he'll see what they have now. Um, wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if they go out and get somebody else to play quarterback. But he will absolutely be able to design the offense around whoever it is they have playing that position. And he's Ross Tucker. You guys hear him everywhere. Host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Uh, he was on with us, I'd say, right around the Eagles game earlier this season. Some great insight on Shane Steichen right now. Ross, I don't know how familiar you are with the 2023 quarterback class just yet, draft-wise. Of course, when you have the fourth overall pick, that conversation uh, is pretty dominant here in Indianapolis. But if you look at Shane's history, I mean, Phillip Rivers, certainly a much different quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Justin Herbert, you know, these are very different QBs, the three that he's worked with most recently. If you look at Shane's quarterback history and you look at the quarterback draft class in 2023, do you see any matches there? Honestly, I think he could do a terrific job with any of them. Um, I really do. I, you know, I'm sure he'll fully evaluate, especially those top three guys, maybe top four if you include Richardson and decide which one is the best for him. What I think is interesting is Now that he's spent a whole year with a guy as mobile as Hurts, I think that he has seen how much of an edge that is 
to be able to have a quarterback that you can do the RPOs with and that can run it enough. So I wonder if that would make him lean a little bit more to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson as opposed to Stroud and Bryce Young. You know, just from watching them, obviously I thought Stroud was really mobile against Georgia and looked good, but that doesn't seem to be – and Bryce Young moves around great. But neither one of them is like the runner that I think you want to have carrying the football six to nine times a game and just being very good at knowing when to slide, when to get down. Uh, Levis and Anthony Richardson can both absolutely do that. I mean, first of all, you guys know I live in central Pennsylvania, so I also do some Penn State stuff. So I watched every snap Levis played. You know, back in the day, there was a competition between Tommy Stevens, who ended up getting drafted, and Sean Clifford, um, who was their quarterback, like started for four years at Penn State. And I had someone at Penn State tell me, like, hey, I'm just telling you, if you came to our practice, the guy that you would say, wow, who is that, was the freshman at the time, Will Levis. I mean, he is put together. He has a howitzer for an arm. The problem for him at Penn State was, you know, Clifford had kind of, you know, Clifford's first year as a starter when Levis was a true freshman, Penn State was really good. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl game. I think they won 11 games that year. So it was just kind of an uphill battle for Levis to ever actually be able to beat him out. But there were times when Clifford got hurt that Levis came in, and I remember at Ohio State, and they ran the crap out of Levis because he's so big and strong and athletic. Obviously, Richardson is a really unique player in that regard. I don't think it's a must-have for Steichen, but I got to think there's some part of him, after all the success he just had, that's going to be, um, let's put it this way, kind of like baseball, I think a tie will go to the runner for the Colts. <laughs> you know, tie will go to the runner. Mm-hmm. If he thinks it's pretty even between Levis and Stroud or whoever, um, I think he'll go for the guy with the running threat. Because I also know this, the more I talk to coaches, you don't have to have a guy that can do that. But, man, it's nice. Yeah, it helps, I right? Mean, and even, you know what's interesting, Ross? Getting, e- e- sorry, even just getting two first downs a game, you know, on, on third and long is big. Well, it, and it felt like, not to get into the weeds here on Ohio State football, but, you know, C.J. Stroud, who I think is massively talented, obviously, but I think Ohio State fans, Ross, were like pulling their hair out at times because he can run. He just didn't want to – I shouldn't say he didn't want to do it. I don't think it was instinctive towards him like he because his arm was so good. He would try to wait in the pocket too long to beat you with his arm. You almost – it feels like you would have to do specific designs for him, which obviously is the case with, with running the football at a quarterback position. But it's just not his natural instinct in C.J. Stroud, whereas the other guys, it feels like it's more natural to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so a couple thoughts on that. One, obviously, you know, Bryce Young is a very – Bryce Young kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Russell Wilson in his prime and that he just has this unique ability to always be able to buy time, find time to to make the play. But – um, 
You know, the Stroud conversation is an interesting one. I, I do a college draft podcast, it's called The College Draft with Emery Hunt, and he made an interesting point. You know, he wonders if sometimes, um, especially, quite frankly, um, with black quarterbacks, if they kind of go out of their way to make sure that people don't look at them as a running quarterback. And I hadn't really thought of that. In other words, I don't know how much of it was Stroud's instinct or how much of it is Stroud trying to prove I'm a pocket quarterback, I'm a pocket quarterback, I'm not uh, a dual threat quarterback, even though maybe he could do that. You know, maybe he's trying to prove a point, um, which I don't know if that's the case or not, but I did think it was an interesting point. Again, Ross Tucker is with us, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Just a couple more with you, Ross, and thank you for the time this morning. Um, obviously, Philadelphia is extremely talented. We've talked about Hurts, the pass catching group, just absolutely. The Colts fans would dream to even sniff that. And honestly, the offensive line might be the best in football. So if Shane Steichen could kind of wave a magic wand and bring any of those three with him to Indy, which would it be? Uh, probably the O line. Yeah, I mean it just it just lets them do so much. And I don't think the Colts are that far off there. Um, but uh, you know, and and I do know that Ballard obviously prioritizes it. I'm not really sure what happened there where, you know, they paid big money to these guys like Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson and it felt like all three of them, their play dropped off a little bit this year. Something's wrong there, guys. Like, something's wrong. These are three guys in their 20s that are all, you know, highly compensated guys. Something is not right if it feels like all three of them take a step back in the same year. That that does not make sense to me. And so... Um, I'll be very curious to see who Steichen hires as the O-line coach. Let's put it that way. Because that'll be a, a key ingredient to it for sure. I would also say, you know, the offense he ran in Philadelphia, boy, that helps the O-line. I mean, when you have the RPOs and you have the quarterback capable of pulling the ball, you're almost always able to get good angles in the run game. And in the pass game, they can't just rush the passer right away because it might be a run. I mean, Puts the O-line in a good spot. My last question for you, Ross, is this. When it comes to Shane Steichen, you know, obviously we know offensively uh, about his ability to lead an offense, but what we know is that when you're the head coach, you got to lead both sides of the ball. Is there body of work to know what kind of leader he can be in terms of being a head coach as opposed to a coordinator? No, I don't think so, other than, you know, I – I talk with him a lot, right? You know, the production meetings for the preseason games, on the field before games, he's really impressive. Really impressive. Does that does that mean it'll it'll translate to head coach? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, Sirianni was a guy that did not translate really well at the opening press conference, but was still able to be fantastic when they actually went ahead and, and had the game called, right? Like, he had a horrible, horrible initial press conference. 
I think Steichen will be very good in the press conference. He's very polished. He's very impressive. You know, I think the interesting question will be, does he continue to call plays? Sirianni decided halfway through his first year that he wasn't going to do that anymore, that he was going to give it to another guy because there is a lot on the head coach when it comes to game management, clock management, those sort of things. So it'll be interesting. Um, I will say there's not a body of work, but there isn't for any of these guys. I mean, there isn't for any of these guys until they become a head coach. All right, Ross, we'll end with this. Um, probably a lot of humans, mostly of the male race out there, scrambling today for a last-minute Valentine's gift. Do, do you got any uh, You got any help in that, uh, in that department for us? Well, so here's what's funny, right? My buddy started this company. It's called MyFrontPageStory.com. And obviously, it's Valentine's Day today. They write the most unbelievable story about your wife. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. Like, it looks like on the cover of the Indianapolis Star. Framed pictures of you and her, quotes from you, maybe quotes from the kids. You're obviously not going to be able to give that to her today. But you can still give her the, the, the gift. Like, go to MyFrontPageStory.com. Order a story for your wife today. Print out the order. Like, print out that you, you got the order. Hand that to her in an envelope today or tonight and say, hey, babe, I want to do something super special for you. So I have an author that's writing a story about just how great you are. So first of all, you check the box of giving her a gift on, on Valentine's Day. But then can you even imagine the anticipation for your wife? Like, nobody's ever written a story about your wife. She will be dying every day waiting for that beautiful frame story to come in the mail. I, I almost think this is better than if you just give it to her today. The anticipation, the excitement, it's amazing. Myfrontpagestory.com, myfrontpagestory.com. Look at that. Where else can you find football and love all in one interview? That's right. Listen, football is love. It, football is love. Amen. And some men might argue what they'd rather. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, anyways, we won't go there. Ross, terrific stuff, man. Thanks for waking up with us. Yeah, see you guys. Good luck with uh, sounds like the Shane thing's going to happen. I think you guys will love him. I'm a big fan. Great to hear. Appreciate it, Ross. See ya. That's Ross Tucker, again, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Great stuff there. We're way over. We'll talk to you in the 8 o'clock hour. Kevin, do you have specific Valentine's Day plans or evening plans? Uh, we have none. Okay. None whatsoever. Uh, our anniversary actually is Thursday. So we went out to eat on Friday. But we are not a big Valentine's Day, must get out of the house, must have, you know, a dinner that's not. Hey, do we have leftovers? Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're, okay. we're not really that. How about how about you and Shannon? You guys got anything? Uh, we're going to dinner. I, I, yeah, we, we kind of did it over the weekend. So, nothing uh, nothing overly extravagant. Mark? It's a busy, busy Tuesday, no. I would assume, on the dinner. Yeah, yeah Ashley's working. Massage, obviously, pretty high priority on the uh, Valentine's Day mm. to-do list, so she's For doing sure. that today. So, yeah, we, we don't do too much on Valentine's Day. Uh, last night at the Pacer game, they played like the Family Feud deal, and it was top three Valentine's gifts. Yeah. Number one was flowers. Number two was chocolate. Number three was massage. Spa day, actually, mm-hmm. I believe is how they listen. Get a lot of people that would bump massage up. Valentine's Day, Mother's list. Day, big big massage days. Yeah, certainly. I've been down that road to give Maddie a present. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. We love you. We hope that you love us. Apologies. You know, our, our love isn't.
always always smooth. Apologies on the YouTube stream today. What's um, that, Mark? Sorry, our stream sucks. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I know there's a very consistent audience that we love out there on Wait the YouTube you turn stream. 50. <laughs> so might need a pill for that. Check out <laughs> 107.5 The Fan, the uh, live stream over there, and the app, um, along with good old terrestrial radio. Again, Jake, I am under the impression that things will be final today between the Colts and Shane Steichen. Could have a press conference later, so we'll continue to monitor that. But I thought that was some really good insight from Ross Tucker very, very on good. Shane Steichen. Not only... You know, just as a play caller, but a little bit more into the question that you threw to him is what type of personality are you getting? What type of leader? Guy's 37 years old. That's that's young. Uh, but as I said earlier, I think it's a little bit more Nick Sirianni. Not full extent Nick Sirianni, but it's a little bit more of that on the emotional side than Frank Reich. I just... You know, the two questions I have is who does he bring with him as a staff? Obviously, they would have discussed that. And then the second is... Um, just because a lot of people have asked me this, Kevin, I, I want to go back over it. Not to to dwell on something that, that clearly the ship is moving away from, but with Jeff Saturday, I think Jeff Saturday was in a really difficult position. Um, admittedly, Jeff Saturday agreed to that really difficult position. So I'm not sitting here saying, like, you know, it's time to dish out start strumming up the violin for him but I think Jeff Saturday several people have asked me do you think Jeff Saturday removed himself from consideration I do not I think Jeff Saturday very adamantly wanted that job yes um and was really pushing for that job because I think and this is neither here nor there and it's probably at this point passe I guess but I really do think that Jeff Saturday, in his mind, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, I have no idea, but I think that in his mindset, his thought process was, look, I was brought in on an interim level to meet the criteria that was explained to me when I took the job as A, B, C, and D, and I never worried about E, F, and G, and E, F, and G was... You know, I mean, those things were the the wins and losses of games. Now, he had said himself, and I think where he erred was, it comes down to wins and losses. You got to judge me on that. And then after the fact, I think it was, well, actually, I was asked to do the following things, and that's what I was doing, but they're they're not things that publicly show up as results. And so I could see how he would be thinking to himself, look, I did what you guys asked me to do. Now I want a full season to be able to show what I can do in terms of the wins and loss record, and he's not going to get that opportunity. Question is, does he stay with the franchise in some sort of capacity? Or does he, do the Colts say, thank you for your efforts? I I think Jim Irsay would like to have him around, but I also think he probably understands it's best that he's that he moves on. You know, one thing on the Saturday interim stint, Jake, before I get to what exactly his role could look like moving forward, I think you would be naive to say, oh, you solely judge an interim head coach on the win-loss record. Right. Like, you can't you can't. Because clearly you're that. walking into a bad situation sure. or else you wouldn't be an interim. You, you pay attention to that, but I think what you also pay attention to is how does that team react to your coaching? And how does it improve? And if you look at the Saturday-led Colts in those eight games, they unequivocally got 
worse, historically bad to close out the season. And it got to the point where you had issues on and a little bit off the field too. And that is what you don't want to see. You know, how many times you've seen an interim head coach, you know, maybe there's the initial jolt, but maybe later in the year they also, all right, I've started to install some things. My message is getting across. We start playing a little bit better here late in the year. And obviously the Colts did not, did not even sniff that in December and January under Saturday. As far as what his role is, I, I think he should go back to ESPN. Um, if he wants to be a head coach in this league, he's got to work his way up through the ranks. And I don't know if his ego would call for that. Um, certainly Jim Mercer loves him, Jake. If Jeff Saturday is in your front office, though, is there an element of too many cooks in the kitchen? Well, that's... Uh, in- Does Shane Steichen want that? Does Chris Ballard want that? It's fair. If I'm Chris Ballard, I don't. Right. 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 So that... I think is a bit of an awkward nature to retaining Saturday. Uh, Jeff has been on the phone lines. Jeff, you want to talk Colts head coaching search? Gentlemen, good morning. Morning. How you doing? Good. Hey, there is probably a really big reason right, why Jalen Hurts got really good first, and I think that might have had to do with A.J. Brown. I don't know. Probably crazy, but I – we need to ha- we need to have players, okay? You guys can talk about the coaching shirts yeah, all you want. Devontae Smith helps too, right? Uh, just a little bit. I don't know. He's probably a really strong number two, number one on some teams. So here's my point about the, the coaching search. You can put anybody you want at coach. I, I think that's pretty interchangeable in the NFL. I really do. There's probably not too many hoodies, kind of like there wasn't too many Bradys. But you got to have some key positions and – I mean, it's shown with Purdy and with Hertz's kick-up. you got to have a number one receiver, first of all. You, you, ever since T.Y. kind of got older and hurt, we haven't had a number one receiver. you got to go get a number one receiver. That's plain and simple. That's the NFL. It's a passing league. It's not a running league any longer. Um, I just – there should be more concern about the GM's picks more than anything, and I still can't fathom how he has a job, but that's Ursay's crazy thinking in, in the long run. But you got to go get the players. You let two linemen go last year, big mistake. You've had a, probably a number five defense over the last, I don't know, three, four years. I think going back to, to Rivers, I mean, that defense was solid. Um, it, and I don't even know if the quarterback position – is that important anymore? It's more about protecting and a guy that doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, per- Purdy kind of showed that, and I'm just kind of really still disgusted the fact that they didn't find anything out with Ellinger, nothing at all. They, I mean, why you're not playing him when Ryan was just a bust early is is beyond me. I, and I don't even know if you would have had to have gone to look for a quarterback. So well, Here's the thing, guess, Jeff. Appreciate yep. the call, Jeff. Thank you. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I agree Ballard, with everything until the end. Chris Ballard would totally agree with the part about it's not about the quarterback. Um, I think you have to have quarterback is still the most important position, Kevin. But the reality is you got to have. There's a difference between playmakers. Like Michael Pittman's a very good receiver. He is a very reliable number one level receiver until the ball is in his hands. In other words, he's going to get the catch for you. But what's he going to do at that point? Guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, you know, those guys are unicorns, I realize, and there's a reason they're number ones, but they are 
open space. I mean, I realize Smith and Brown on the same team, but open space playmakers, guys that once the ball is in their hands, they are literally gazelles on the safari, and it is just watch them run and see how fast they can occupy space. And that changes everything for you offensively. Yeah. And the Colts don't have anybody like I mean, Jonathan Taylor would be the only one. They got no dudes at the pass catching spots. No dudes. And you need that. Um, so I agree to virtually everything Jeff said until the end because I do think quarterback matters a whole lot. There are several plays on Sunday night you can point to that Jalen Hurts kept things alive to create a throw down the field or fit balls into windows to Dallas Goddard or get that deep ball to where A.J. Brown had a chance to make that play. And obviously the running ability of Hurts speaks for itself. So um, I would push back a little bit there. But unquestionably, Jeff is spot on and you need more skill talent. I mean, if you look at, I mean, Devontae Smith was a top 10 pick. (laughs) And he's your number two wideout. Right. I mean, A.J. Brown, you obviously gave up a first rounder for. And then, you know, I mentioned him yesterday, Jake. I thought one of the best players in the Super Bowl was Dallas Goddard. They're they're tight end. I mean, how many tough catches did Goddard make throughout that game? At least two of them that I was like, holy cow, yeah. Goddard is a second-round pick. You know, I mean, he is very highly thought of and has kind of emerged. So, certainly, Jalen Hurts is surrounded with some talent, but, you know, he also was a guy picked outside of the top 50 and... I think what Philadelphia and Shane Steichen and Nick Seria have done a great job of is they have catered an offense to him. Um, But I think one of the great attributes that Shane Steichen brings here is if you look at his history, the Jalen Hurts offense looks different than the Justin Herbert offense, looks different than the Phillip Rivers offense. And Steichen has called plays for each of those three guys, and it's very different looking. And if you, I mean, I don't think we talk about Justin Herbert's rookie season enough. Justin Herbert, Shane Steichen, one year together, 2020, offensive coordinator, six overall pick. Herbert was not the starter coming out of camp for the Chargers. It was Tyrod Taylor. So all those offseason reps and all the number one unit stuff and, hey, you know, I'm getting, you know, invaluable experience in training camp in the preseason. Herbert did not get that, and yet they put him in there in week two, and Justin Herbert ends up being the the AFC Rookie of the Year, 32. I think it was 31 touchdowns and 10 picks. Like that is a hell of a performance for a rookie quarterback who was not supposed to be the week one starter. Here's the thing that I keep going back to, and I think it was a good point that was raised earlier. And I keep forgetting this myself. We keep talking about Shane Steichen and how he's done a great job with quarterbacks and the Colts are getting ready to get a rookie quarterback and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, Kevin, he's not being hired as the offensive coordinator. He's being hired as the head coach. It helps, don't get me wrong. But it's easy to forget. And who was the last quarterback whisperer offensive coordinator level guy that was hired as a head coach from Philadelphia? The guy you're replacing. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying I'm I'm guilty of it too. I keep thinking to myself – I want to look at what he, you know, what kind of plays he's going to bring and what sort of schemes he's going to bring up and what sort of awakening he can have for a young quarterback. And then I remind myself, oh, I forgot, but he's not theoretically the offensive coordinator. I mean, one would think that he's he could have a lot of say in that room, right? But that's sometimes that's a challenge for for coaches that are so married to one niche or one side of the ball to then be able to branch out it's probably the and oversee everything. It's probably the biggest question I think we have about the hire because 
Frank Reich, again, I think he struggled in that area. Whether he wants to admit it or not, I think he struggled in that area. And think back to the Frank Reich press conference in Carolina a few weeks ago, Jake. They asked him about play calling, and he said, that's something I need to think about. That's something that in Indianapolis might have been a little bit too much for me. Right. So Frank Reich clearly has thought about it. We'll see about Shane Steichen because, as Ross Tucker pointed out with us a little bit earlier, Nick Sirianni, initially he is the play caller in Philadelphia during that 2021 season. They get off to a slow start. Sirianni feels like, I've got way too much on my shoulders right now. I need to you know, delegate some of these things. Steichen takes over as play caller. They win six of seven. They get into the playoffs. Again, they got into the playoffs without A.J. Brown. Obviously, Brown has boosted them big time, but they still got in the playoffs without him last season. And if you look at it, the hiring of Shane Steichen to call plays, or I should say the promotion to him call plays, was a big, big part of their emergence last season and then making the Super Bowl this year. All right, let's hit a morning check down here on Kevin Court. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Before taking a look back at what happened last night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, we'll begin with college basketball. On the women's side, as a matter of fact, Indiana 83-59 at number 13, Ohio State. The Hoosiers ranked number two in the country. Of course, McKenzie Holmes, 33 points on 15 of 18 from the floor. One other note. On the women's side of things, Purdue, Katie Gerald's group scheduled to take on Michigan State tomorrow night. That game has been canceled after the tragic shooting at Michigan State yesterday. The university in East Lansing canceling school activities for the next 48 hours. That would include that women's basketball game. On the men's side, in terms of rankings, the men's college basketball coaches poll. Purdue now third in the country, 23-3. Alabama and Houston, 1-2 and two respectively. Indiana falls to 15 on the AP side. Alabama number one, followed by Houston and Purdue again. UCLA, Kansas, Texas, Virginia, Arizona. Baylor and Tennessee rounding out the top 10. Indiana checking in at 14th on the AP side. I think a big thing for Purdue right now, you mentioned, what, three in both polls, Jake. Just continuing, well, I guess, getting back to holding serve. I think as long as they do that, don't suffer you know, more than, I would say, two or three losses down the stretch, they should be Still getting a number one seed and in the Louisville uh, region here coming up for the tournament. Indiana back in action tomorrow at Northwestern, 9 o'clock. Purdue at Maryland coming up at 6.30. Tonight it is Butler and Villanova. Uh, both of these teams have won two in a row, but Butler is a 10.5-point underdog. They've obviously had issues on the road. Jake, I, again, predicting Butler to win on the road is probably a bit foolish. But again, they beat Villanova earlier in the year. They have Georgetown and DePaul after this. So if you somehow are able to win on the road tonight, Butler could be looking at like four or five in a row in the Big East, which would have been a dream. Yeah, right now five and ten in the conference, so they can use a stockpile anywhere they can get them, by the way. Speaking of Ball State, you heard mentioned off the top there. Cards tonight, 18 and seven overall, five game win streak, chirp, chirp. They host Northern Illinois at Worthen Arena. That game at seven o'clock. So Ball State. Home game at 7 o'clock. It is Notre Dame at Duke. Uh-huh. Big one. Um, ESPN. Duke is 17-8. and eight. And did I see that North Carolina... Carolina's out of the tournament right now. I mean, they are, man. They lost last night, right? To Carolina Miami. and Kentucky might, might both... That's easy for me to say. Carolina and Kentucky may both be out. Hey, Carolina's 16-10 and 10 on the season. Hey, everybody has a down year. Carolina, Kentucky, Notre Dame. That Indiana win over Carolina. I mean, Indiana's 
taking care of their own business, so they don't they're not in need of other people's help. But by the way, shout out to um, Paul Casaro's University of Indianapolis Greyhounds, Jake. They're twenty two and two, Love ranked it. number six in the country on a sixteen game win streak there. So some great basketball in the South. Sixteen side. in a row right now. Sixteen in a row. Uh, the reverse of that would be what's happening over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The Pacers have lost sixteen of eighteen. They lose last night to the Utah Jazz. Jake, I did think Tyrese Halliburton. That was the best game he has played since he's been back to injury, back from injury. He really kind of spurred the fourth quarter comeback. Uh, he looked fantastic in the fourth quarter in particular, um, but not enough. I mean, it was weird because, as I'd mentioned, the Pacers now who have won just four games, what, five games since the calendar turned to 2023, 25 and 34 overall. And it really felt like they were in the thick of it. I look up and I'm like, wait a minute, they're down eight. And Halliburton's like going off here. The problem is every time Make he was stops. scoring, Jordan Clarkson was doing the same thing on the other end of the floor. Since the Colts began their head coaching search, which seems like seven years ago, the Pacers are two and sixteen. Good lord. So do the Pacers need to end the search today for the Pacers to get they back? They got on one track? win for each interview. The, Col- the Col- each round of interviews, right? <laughs> the Colts the Colts need to end their search today for the Pacers to get back on track. Buddy healed two of eleven last night. Um yeah, again, just really poor defense. Here was Tyrese Halliburton afterwards on the loss. I think uh, it starts on the defensive end of grabbing rebounds. Um, they got a ton of high IQ basketball players over there, and when you make mistakes, they make you pay for them. Um, so not not running the right stuff offensively, bad turnovers, um, you know, along with giving up offensive rebounds, that usually leads to kick out threes for them. So. Uh, it's on the defensive end, like you know, you score 117 points. That should be enough to win a game. So, uh, so we keep talking about just getting stops. How did Jordan Wara look? George Hill's re-debut with the Pacers. Those are some things we can talk about next here. Kevin and Query on a Tuesday morning. Let me tell you one thing I uh, observed last night, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Jordan Wara, the newly acquired Pacer that they got, who was in Milwaukee, kind of got buried in Milwaukee, and so now getting a chance in Indiana. Um, Any open shot is his valentine. (laughs) He is like, yep, bring it on, Cupid. Deliver that to me. He is not afraid to uh, take an open look and try to turn it into a shot. The one thing I noticed, I mentioned this earlier, and I know it sounds odd. I was kind of – I'm trying to think of a player – that like in my mind of what I think of in terms of the physical makeup of what the Pacers exactly need, like the a player in the NBA that's the equivalent of what I'm thinking. But you know, like a six seven guy that just is long and can defend on the wing. Who's the guy that they got? Um, they need OG Ananobi. Yeah, but I mean, even like. I know this sounds crazy. Even like more laterally quick than that. Um, but yes, that kind of a player. And I thought that War was that. He's more of a compact. He looked to me. He's more of like a, a Dwayne Farrell type build. Or you know what I mean? Like just a Terry Taylor almost type build. Not afraid he is, to shoot by any stretch, but he did not look to me like like a, a natural wing defender. 
No, and he had, I thought, a couple of moments defensively that were better than I, I remember him being. I always remember him being a pretty poor defender, and really he is there to shoot. I did thought I did think he had a really nice cut um, early. Halliburton found him for a layup. I think he hit a three on the very next possession after that. But, yeah, to your point, Jake, I mean, hey, first time here, and I'm going to shoot it eight times in 17 minutes. Right. Matt Painter has had issues with Brayden Smith not shooting enough. Uh, Rick Carlisle will not have issues with Jordan Wara being afraid to shoot. Um, I I do not. Maybe I'm beating a bit of a dead horse, but it was the first time we've seen him play. I do not understand at all 10 minutes for George Hill. I I just, I don't. Um, You are clear. I mean, Kevin Pritchard said it last week. Kevin Pritchard's exact words of, we need to develop, we need to grow. I mean, he pretty much said that it is time to look long-term this season. The best-case scenario might have been the Halliburton injury kind of forcing the Pacers' hand at the deadline not to do anything you know, crazy as a buyer there. So the fact that George Hill, your 36-year-old guy who is talking about retirement, is getting minutes over last year's lottery pick, Chris Duarte did not play last night. Those are issues probably twofold. One, again, don't know why you are doing that at this point of the season. Two, it continues to show you what this organization thinks of Chris Duarte. Yeah, Duarte has just become completely buried, right? And, and like you can't be this is not the Colts playing Matt Ryan bad. Again, don't be bad and don't be old. You can't be both. Last night the Pacers had a second unit of a thirty year old TJ McConnell and a thirty six year old George Hill alongside each other. That's bad, and it's old. I feel like, by the way, Jaden McDaniels, that's kind of a random yeah. name I realized. He got moved to the day. They're, they're, I mean, a 6'9", 190-pound long guy that can just get out on the wing and guard. That, that's what they need. Um, and it does appear the draft has some of those wing-type guys after Victor Webanyama and Scoot Henderson, which I think is perfect for what the Pacers need. It is, and they're going to have three first-round picks, if unless they move some of them. And then, in addition to that, they have Houston's second rounder, which is going to be the first or second pick of the second round. So they're in very good shape in that regard. I think, Kevin, I would agree with you that George Hill's minutes, and I love George Hill, who, has, who has the most unique an identifiable shoulders silhouette in NBA history, by the way. Um, he strikes me as a guy that has great posture. He does have very good posture. That's that's correct. He goes to the stretch lab a lot up there in uh, Broderpool. Coming from someone that does not have good posture, um, as I readjust myself. Duarte, like Hill's out on the floor, and midway through the third, I realized Duarte hasn't seen the floor here. And I really do think that there are some guys that this that fall into this category. They're just they don't really know how to react. And this is not a knock at all. But some guys just don't know how to play without being the epicenter of where everything's going through, like an auxiliary role. They they kind of don't know how to react to things that are going on the floor. They just don't feel comfortable. Duarte looks like a guy that I, I know that that sounds very elementary. He doesn't look comfortable in a role and anything other than being what we saw a year ago, which is you know a focal point when he's on the floor. I, my fear is that Duarte is the proverbial 
18-25 guy. Destined to score 18 a game on a 25-win team for the rest of his career. I, I mean, I, I hope that's not the case. And I don't mean that to sell him short, but that's kind of what it feels like. In terms of George Hill's minutes last night, I don't know if it's as much about like a penalty of Duarte or an inability of wedging Duarte in. As much as, Kevin, they are fun and entertaining to watch, but at the same time, they are now a half game back of a top five pick. And is that do they know that that's what their destiny is? And so they're like... Let's just go ahead and and see what we have out of other guys and and yeah, but don't you want to see what you that? have out of other young guys? Like some could argue well, Daniel Tice's minutes are kind of falling in the same boat. Like Isaiah Jackson last night, Jake Pelé's what? In other words, were they prioritizing winning the game? I hate to say it that way, but that that's what it feels like. With right? How Chris Duarte's played lately, I don't think putting him in the lineup all of a sudden is going to change you winning that game. Probably um, true. I I look at Isaiah Jackson last night. And again, no Miles Turner, so your big man rotation was a little bit different. Daniel Tice got the start. He played 21 minutes, but Isaiah Jackson played 26. I mean, I think that's what you want to see. If you look at Isaiah Jackson's season this year, when he has gotten some minutes, there have been, you know, 11 and 6 in a couple blocks. Last night it was. He had 11 points, 5 rebounds. He had 4 blocks last night. Gosh, he had some crazy athletic blocks on a couple of occasions. But think back to when Isaiah Jackson was drafted. He was really uh, kind of a rotational player in his one season at Kentucky. You knew you were going to have to grow and mold him. Inevitably, you have just got to give these guys minutes if you're ever going to truly see and feel what they have. Isaiah Jackson going to Fort Wayne and having 28 and 13 against the Terry Taylor of the, you know, main Red Claws isn't going to do it for you. At some point, you've got to see it in consistent NBA action. And to me, that's got to be the objective here over the final two months of the year. Can I also make a confession to you, Kevin, that shows probably my blatant naivete about something? Sure. Speaking of a confession, I just had a buddy of mine uh, raise his hand and say, I'm heading to the store to buy a Valentine's Day card. Well, shouldn't everyone do that? Well, I mean, it is Valentine's Day. Don't you think that's something maybe should have been done before Valentine's Day? I don't know. I mean, they're still selling the card. You still have until 11.59, just looking right? for the right one. Yeah. I mean, you might that's be left good. with... Or maybe a good deal. Can you, you find you, a good deal? <laughs> cards are overrated anyway for like any holiday. You might be left with some bottom-of-the-barrel cards there. That's where you just go with the blank card. The, the, the ones where you can't find card. like anything about a wife. It's like, oh, it's about great aunts. This is all they got left. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's Johnny's right. baptism. Well, I don't know if I can make that work for the old <laughs> Valentine's Day. I mean, hey, tomorrow, good deals on candy, right? Great yeah. deal. But candy. several people have sent me... I am bracing myself right now for total criticism and critique. Several people have sent to me the video that went semi-viral yesterday of Chris Collins in the Northwestern Purdue game with 12.8 seconds left. Yeah, that was... Holding on to Fletcher Lawyer, it says. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand. I don't see him making contact with him. Oh, I see him grabbing his arm. See, I, I don't – I see him for like a split second, like instinctively kind of reaching out and their arms collide, but I don't yeah, see him like – I see holding. his left arm grabbing Fletcher Lawyer's right arm and him telling the uh, – you know, one of his players come guard him. Fletcher Lawyer then kind of flails his arms. Yeah, the and then like, runs to the opposite direction and is wide open. Me. I mean, it's not like – I don't think he's like holding him back. 
The, uh, the video quality is like JFK, like back yeah, and to it, the it, left. That's a coach should not like. be on the floor, should not be touching an opposing player, period. It's like when Tom Crean would get on the floor and try to guard like Tim Frazier from Penn State. It was a great video of Crean literally looks like I, mean, I use six defender. Okay, what I see here, not to, to make a mountain of a molehill, but what I see, to be honest with you, is Chris Collins. I don't disagree. He shouldn't be that far out. He's past the line, but every coach does that, admittedly. But Chris Collins, as Fletcher Lawyer is standing fairly wide open, and Collins is simply trying to raise attention to the fact that he's there, I, to me it looks like Collins instinctively – he reaches out like, "Hey, you got to guard this guy," and, and his arm inadvertently makes contact with him. And he, um, and then Collins realizes. In other words, I, I'm not saying that it's that it should happen, but to me, it appears inadvertent. I, yeah, that's a lot of credit to Chris Collins. I mean, he, he immediately is a guy that he immediately pulls away and moves in the opposite direction. Chris Collins. In does. the moment, he's never had a win like that as a head coach. He's panicking. He's grabbing Fletcher Lawyer's arm again. He's not like he does it for ten seconds. I but wouldn't say he's grabbing it. I think he. Someone sent me a freeze frame. It looks pretty much like a he has hold of Fletcher Lawyer's right arm. Let me ask you this: What is the? And I don't know because it's fairly unprecedented. What is the penalty for that? I assume a technical. I mean, if you really want to be technical about it, he's out of the coach's box. I get that to your point. Coaches are always out of the old coaching box, but I would assume there's has something play, in the rule has, book where you cannot touch an has opposing play player. begun at that point? But again, does that matter? No, I, I get it. I don't think you can be doing that. Uh, I saw Mike Woodson say last night, you know, seven-man rotation he played at Michigan. That is definitely not what Woodson wants to do. He said that was the smallest rotation he's ever played in his coaching career. Uh, again, no race. Thompson, of course, I think played into some of that. Malik Renew and Tamar Bates were the two bench guys. Tamar Bates was horrific, by the way, on Saturday night. Indiana was able to overcome that. I, I don't understand that because I saw video of him uh, playing against the seventh grade kid working out when he, after he signed with Indiana, and everybody told me that he was the next Kobe Bryant. It's like a, him working out in the gym, and everybody's like, man, this guy's unbelievable five-star straight to the NBA. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really seen the five-star. <laughs> I would agree. I'm. Uh, he's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, okay. he's got a little microwave ability, but I've not seen certainly the consistency. I am curious tomorrow night at Northwestern. That was a game really ugly last year for Indiana up there. That's, you know, Miller Cop going back to Northwestern. I wonder if he'll walk Ivy on. Lake Michigan. Well, I, we certainly know Chris Collins will shake his hand. The only problem is it'll be with 12.8 seconds left, right? And maybe Ivy could give Chris Collins a little present. <laughs> 59-51 up there last year. So, really, everybody struggled for Indiana, but Miller Cop uh, facing his former team. Indiana's going to win that game, right? Indiana's playing well, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, Trace Jackson I, Davis played like, like this. They're going to win a lot of games. Is Northwestern good? I think they're good. I think they're good. I do think the two guys. I think Boo. I think Boo Boo is good, and the Adige kid who hit some big ones late against Purdue couldn't throw it in the ocean until late. I do think he is a guy that can fill it up. But yeah, this is for second place in the Big Ten. Indiana right now slots themselves probably. What would you say they are? A four seed. Yeah, uh huh. And again, I think Indiana at this point looks at, like at a Xavier's team. a good win. Yeah, for sure. They, Obviously, they, Purdue's good Indiana win. looks like a legit without 
having to pull any upsets, Sweet 16 team that could also, I think, be an Elite 8 team. And then depending on matchups, you take your chances, right? They could go to a Final Four. With the, with the way that they're getting interior play, it all comes down to consistency of secondary player. And Jalen hood Shafino has been that, certainly at home, but they're going to need him to be that way in the tournament away from home. Let's say Purdue's a one seed, Jake. They lose in the Sweet 16. Do we call that a definite disappointing season for Purdue considering where we were in the preseason with them? You know, it's an interesting question because it's a disappointment based on... Here's the thing. Like, are they overachieving right now? That's the thing. They have no seniors of note. The answer is yes and no because... If Purdue were to not make the tournament, it would be a disappointment based on the expectation Purdue created. At the beginning of the year, if you'd said to Purdue fans, hey, Purdue's going to go to the Sweet 16 this year, sign me up, man. For sure. After, you know, after, but yes, the way they've played, they have been the best team in college basketball can, the most consistently for the whole season. So it does feel like, again, it's one of those years where anything shy of a Final Four is a falling short. But it's credit to the Purdue program that that now is becoming each and every year. Imagine saying that in November. I know. And that's where I'm just so torn on it, like, as a, you know, an observer, a fan, you know, those sorts of things. Like, you know, how do you evaluate a season that had nowhere near the preseason expectations that all of a sudden we're talking about now it's, in January and February. And I was listening to Rob Rob Blackman yesterday. Jake, he mentioned that Purdue is like the fifth youngest team in Power 5 college basketball. It's got to feel for, for Purdue fans, like for Indiana fans right now with Purdue, like, oh my gosh, you know, these guys just don't go away. They weren't supposed to be this good, and here they are. They're number one seed. That's got to be what Purdue fans felt like for Bob Knight's Indiana era. You know, the 1989 team. Like, oh my gosh, these guys weren't supposed to be any good. And here they are. They're ranked second in the country. Holy cow. Like, it it never goes away. That's where Purdue is now. Literally, they just reload every year. They just reload every year and they retweak the way they're doing it. And they have darn good seasons. And I've said this often about Purdue. If you just continually give yourself shots at it, darts at the dartboard. Eventually, you're going to break through. You will get on a run. You will get on a run. And they've obviously done that but it is just fascinating when you consider the experience on the indiana roster and the likelihood that this is it for trace jackson davis and potentially jalen hood Chifino. and the flip of that with purdue with the inexperience and you know we'll see about zach Eady. he obviously has eligibility left it's just a very different feel and how the seasons have unfolded for the two programs based off preseason expectations and the potentially what happens in March. Again, Indiana right now showing as a five seed in bracketology. I would put them as a four. Yeah, I think I think it would be a four. Um, a week from Saturday in Mackey for that rematch. That is a 7.30 tip for that one. If you missed it earlier, Ross Tucker joined us, shared some great thoughts about Shane Steichen. Ross, seen him on Dan Patrick's show, great NFL voice, uh, does the preseason color analyst for the uh, Eagles TV. We'll re-rack that coming up to end the show. Uh, we'll give you the latest on where the Colts stand, Shane Steichen-wise, here on this Tuesday morning. We'll do that next. Kevin and Corey. Mark, you could uh, do a little combination of what you were playing yesterday and today with Rihanna We Found Love. Yeah, that's right. I got something like, enough for Rihanna. I'm like, oh, relax. It's one day. Calm down. Show Me Love by Robin with a Y. There's, yeah, Robin with a Y. That always threw me off. 
That's that a, good was a good one, song. That is a good one. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, we feel your love and we appreciate your listenership. Apologies on the YouTube front. I know we're having some stream issues there, but it sounds like the app uh, is working just fine. You head to our website, 107.5 The Fan, and click the link over there and listen live. Um, I'd like to say hello, by the way. Last night I'm leaving the Pacer game. Guy comes up to me and goes, Hey! Are you Jake? I said, yeah. And he goes, I want to come to your PBR party. I'm in your camp. <laughs> I said, heck yeah. So what's up, Brandon? I'd like to say hello to Brandon this morning. Brandon. Good Tuesday morning to you, Brandon. Yeah, that list is getting long, although I don't know if I'm going to be funding it with my Pacers winnings. <laughs> you is there are. like a list that people are going to have to be on? Like, nope, nope, you're not on the list. That'll be a long list. Yeah, we'll have a bouncer. It'll be Scotty. a scroll. Scotty will be the bouncer. <laughs> Answer me these questions three. <laughs> uh, Chris asked me earlier, when did Shane Steichen interview for the Colts head coaching job? The two uh, interview dates for Shane Steichen, he did an initial one over Zoom on January 14th. Uh, so that was during the Eagles' bye week leading into the playoffs. And then the second interview with the Colts going to Philly was February 4th. So that would have been a week ago. Saturday. So I believe Jake, when he landed in Indy yesterday evening, afternoon, whenever it was, I think that was the first time he had been to the complex. So he has seen in Indianapolis the airport, the Conrad, and Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, right? Today, I, I would hope he's I'm seen. I'm saying a, from his previous trip, right? Right. Yeah, I'd hope he's seen a little bit more you know, during his combine days here. But yeah, I believe that is, I think that's part of the reason why you didn't see anything announced Yesterday, I know some people were freaking out. Oh, you know when, why? You know, the day's getting old. I was told this morning to anticipate something final today in a press conference as well. So, will they simply send a tweet that just says like, "We have hired, we've got our guy, Shane Steichen as the head coach"? Will there be like an alliteration, maybe with his name? That's kind of fun. Yes, yeah, honestly, the Colts should look into potentially consulting with you. I'm trying to think uh, what number head coach he is in Indianapolis Colts history. We know he's the youngest, right, in Indy Colts history. It's got to be. What do you think? Full-time head coach? Is he the eighth? Well, I'm looking here. I'm writing it down off the top of my head. Cush, Dowhauer, Meyer. Are we including interims here? I say just full-time. Okay. Um, so after Meyer, was that... I'm just going off the top of my head here. Infante, Marchabroda, right? Mora, Dungy, uh, Pagano. So th- we're looking at at least one, two, three, four, yeah, five, six, more seven, than eight, eight, eight nine, right? ten, right? Ten, ten of is them? that right? Well, Frank Cush, Rod Dowhauer, Ron Meyer, Linda Infante, Ted Marchabroda, uh, Jim Mora, Tony Dungy, uh, Chuck Pagano, Frank Reich. Who am I missing? And then full time. That sounds like everybody. You say Caldwell. Oh, I forgot about Caldwell. There you go. So eleven. Yeah, how did I forget Caldwell right after Dungy? There's got to be somebody I'm missing. But I mean, Rick Venturi, I realized was an interim. Jeff Saturday was an interim. Ron Meyer was an interim and became a head coach, full time. Up. So again, Shane Second, thirty-seven years old. Al Morris. When was that? That was an interim also. Don Shula, that's what someone said to us yesterday. That's the actual youngest in Colts history. Obviously in Baltimore Colts. 
era. 37 years old. That's still pretty crazy. I sometimes think about the fact that Evan Bayh was the governor of Indiana when he was like 33. <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw a picture of Bayh the other day. I'm like, wait, he still looks like that? Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence at 32. Yeah, a little bit different jobs than the head football coach. I think I was still selling cigars. Football you want to hoil number one with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in here. I'm 33, and I'm babysitting you for 15 hours a week. <laughs> uh, 9 o'clock hour, Kevin Aquari coming up. I'd like to offer a slight glimpse behind the curtain for, for people that listen to this program. And I mentioned the other day, especially today being Valentine's Day, and Kevin, you mentioned you know we feel the love in here. It is true. I mean, look, last night at the Pacer game, people like Brandon came up. Um, I think sometimes, like any other job, you 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 kind of get confused, or you know, confused is the wrong word. You you go through the motions and you you forget to stop to kind of recognize what it is that we do. Um, and I have to remind myself that living here in Indianapolis, where I grew up, and and talking about sports and doing so that allows kind of a a freedom of livelihood is uh, you know. It means the world to me, and it's because people do go through the effort to listen to it. So it is very much appreciated, and I hope that everybody has the most spectacular Valentine's Day um, celebrations today and, and certainly understands the gratitude that we have that you listen to the program. As I'm talking to you this morning, I'm inside this studio with Monument Circle behind me, which is fantastic. And then I looked down at one point, and I noticed that I've never seen this before, and I was very impressed by it and a little bit alarmed, but mostly surprised by it. Um, you're wearing Cheetos socks. Uh-huh. Yep. Cheeto socks today. Wearing, I have it, Cheez-It socks as well. I have Pringles socks. Other things I love. Do, do you, is there a place, do you buy like snacksocks.com? Where, where? You know, honestly, a great place to go to for little, uh, some might call them like trinket type things uh, near the checkout. Sullivan's has a ton of those items. Really? I, um, yes, I oftentimes will go there and um, look at the socks section. And it has become a bit of a kind of a theme within the family. And a tiller and a pair of socks? Sure, right? Yeah, you know, let's make sure we've got a couple screws to get that board back on the wall. And then let's, uh, you know, get a pair of uh, Pringles socks. Have you been to the sock place in Nashville? No, I'm not familiar. Like in Brown County, obviously. When I was a kid, we would always go. Do you ever? You guys ever do like it? You know, in October, like the day all the leaves are turning, everybody goes to Nashville. Yeah, beautiful time of year. Uh, when I was a kid, Johnny's sports nostalgia was the absolute best. I loved it. I would go in there and look at baseball cards and sports stuff all day long, and that's no longer there. But the you got the old general store. Or what's the, or I'm sorry, like the drugstore restaurant place, you know what I'm talking about in, in Nashville? I don't even know what it's called. Like right off 46? It's like right on the main street in Nashville. Like once you get into Nashville, Indiana, like into Brown County, there's the, it's it looks like an old drugstore, but it's a cafe it's a, or a, a restaurant. But across from that, anyway, there's a sock place and you can buy like every sports team known to man. But they're like super comfortable socks. Sounds like a trip I need to make. I have a pair of Seahawks socks. I have a pair of White Sox socks, which are actually gray. I have Wyoming. I have Kansas. I have IU. I have Purdue. I've got them all. You walk into a gas station right now, Cheetos, Pringles, or Cheez-Its. Oh, I got to go Pringles. And the little can of Pringles. Are you kidding me? Oh, but- perfect, perfect size. The barbecue, uh, Cheetos. You need a napkin or two. You know, you're gonna have a little a little residue left on the end of your fingers, and that can be a bit awkward. Yeah, the 
for me, if I'm going Pringles into a gas station, chili cheese Fritos are still the greatest yeah. snack ever made. You might need the key to the outdoor bathroom after the chili cheese. Oh, man, let me tell you. Fritos. Love them. Uh, I will echo what you said earlier, and you know, the few times I do get asked to you know, speak to a class or a group of people, uh, a frequent statement I make is, I am beyond lucky to do what I love. So thank you for everyone out there providing that opportunity for Myself and Jacob, Mark, and I hobnob restaurant. Daily by the way, basis. My mom texting in hobnob. Restaurant. Oh, happy Valentine's Day to Karen Query. That's right, out there, and to all of our listeners, happy uh, happy Valentine's Day to my mother. Happy birthday <laughs> out know. there. Well, it's a busy week. Got anniversary coming up, so uh, happy Valentine's Day, mom and dad out there. By the way, is Teddy Valentine still with us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The official. I don't know if he's. Well, I feel like he was doing a Notre Dame game recently. We could use him tonight in Cameron, by the way, for the Irish. You want Teddy reffing your games in the road. I think Ted is retired, is he not? Believe he is. He's done 10 Final Fours, 28 NCAA tournaments, and was the Naismith College Official of the Year in 2005. 2005, uh, he called 14 fewer fouls than he did against Indiana versus Duke in the 92 Final Four. Isn't that funny? 20-some years later, it's still 30 years later, that's still like... Oh, man. I mean, that's like a very relevant thing for IU fans oh, to, to bring up. I was there, man. So are you kidding me? It was the most devastating... I, I thought about this the other day, Kevin. If you could take... This is a convoluted question. Indiana won, has won three national championships You know, in the modern era, 76-81-87. If you could take any one player off of any of those three teams to put them on this year's Indiana team, would you do that to try to win a national title? Or if you could take any one player off this year's team and put it on one of Bob Knight's teams that didn't go, that would put them over the top? I think this is a absolutely terrific topic. If I can, I'll call an audible because, Mark, you want to play some breaking news, Sounder? There we go. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So in the uh, bingo lottery, what did we predict would be the tweet from the Colts? I think I was pretty close right here with the four-word tweet. We got our guy. It is official. The Indianapolis Colts have hired Shane Steichen. Pen to paper there at 37 years old. Like we said, the youngest head coach in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. And we'll keep you posted on an announcement via a press conference, I assume. And I don't want to speak for our station, but I guess I am. I assume we would carry that press conference live, uh, believing that it will occur today. So this was the guy they wanted from the get-go, right? Isn't that what they're going to tell us? Regardless? This is our guy. We got our guy. That is the exact phrase from the Colts' tweet on that. Again, Steichen interviewed twice. Most recently was last Saturday, not just four days ago. Obviously, he's getting ready for the Super Bowl but before that. So, uh, Shane Steichen, 37 years old, the history of the NFL. It actually, I think one of the interesting parts of his resume, Jake, this shows you the type of intellect... Shane Steichen has. His first job at the NFL was with Nerv, Norv Turner coaching defense. So the connection with Norv Turner and Shane Steichen, Shane Steichen was a 
head coach at UNLV, or excuse me, a quarterback at UNLV. North Turner's son, Scott, was also playing at UNLV during a similar time. Shane Sykin clearly left an impression on North Turner, a very accomplished NFL head coach, to the extent that Norv Turner wanted to hire Shane Steichen not to coach quarterbacks, not to be on the offensive staff, but to be a defensive assistant. I think that's just a little glimpse of the impression as a 21, 22-year-old college player that Shane Steichen made for Norv Turner. Uh, Shane Steichen, obviously, as we had mentioned, went to UNLV. He has spent the majority of his upbringing or life on the West Coast or in the West coast areas but has moved around circuitously within the nfl he has worked with various quarterbacks uh notably philip rivers justin herbert jalen hurts and as we have mentioned that gives him kind of a versatility of the style of quarterback with which he can work but again kevin and i have to myself keep reminding myself of this crutch and this hurdle he is not being hired as the offensive coordinator you know, he is being hired as the head coach. Obviously, he has great offensive influence, but and that will certainly help him. One would think, as you had talked about with Gus Bradley, do we have that audio, Mark, from earlier where... I do, yeah. When the Philadelphia Eagles came to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, Shane Steichen was asked about what he saw in the Colts' defense, and that would lead one to believe that what he sees as a defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley as a guy that he presumably would want to work with. This is Shane Steichen back when Philadelphia came here to take on the Colts, talking about the Colts' defense and their leader. This week we're going against a really good defense. I believe uh, they're fifth in total defense. Uh, they're really good on third down. I believe they're fourth on third down. Uh, I got a ton of respect for Gus Bradley, the coordinator. I worked with him for four years uh, in L.A. Uh, hell of a football coach, hell of a human being. Um, looking forward to the challenge. Uh, I know our guys are excited for it. So, Kevin, we've got a better understanding also as to how the day kind of lays out for the Colts now, right? Yeah, 12.15 p.m., that will be the opening press conference. Um, And again, Mark, I guess if you want to text the powers to be to confirm that we'll carry that press conference live, I assume we would. Uh, Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard will be part of that press conference. So, 12.15, we will hear from Shane Steichen for the first time as the Colts head coach. You mentioned... Gus Bradley earlier, the connection there, four years together with the Chargers. They were opposing coordinators uh, in that 2020 season for the Chargers. And then if you look at uh, the other defensive staff members with the Chargers at that time, currently the Colts linebackers coach, Richard Smith and Ron Miles, their DB coach. So if Shane Sykin wants to maintain defensive continuity, he can easily do that from a coaching standpoint with Gus Bradley as the D coordinator. Again, Richard Smith as the linebackers coach, and then um, uh, Ron Miles as their DB coach. So uh, that is exactly um, how Shane Steichen could maintain some continuity there. Obviously, we'll see about Bubba Ventrone. Um, but uh, you know, I know I mentioned this yesterday and a little bit last week when it looked like Shane Steichen was going to be the favorite for this job, Jake. In today's league, and let's just focus on the AFC for a second. Of all seven teams that made the playoffs, Jake, all seven of the of them had a quarterback under the age of 27. And if you look at that group of teams, that doesn't even include a Deshaun Watson, doesn't even include Mac Jones, doesn't include Kenny Pickett, all quarterbacks that I think if they made the playoffs next year, you wouldn't be totally stunned by it. The Colts have got to go out and get the answer at the most important position in sports. And the Shane Steichen resume 
offers you, I think, a lot of comfort and stability in knowing that his history with a variety of quarterbacks, I think that's the key. I know I was a big Brian Callahan fan throughout the process. What Shane Sykin has on his resume that Brian Callahan did not have is the variety of quarterbacks. Mentioned Norv Turner a few minutes ago. Norv Turner and Phillip Rivers' offense looks a whole lot different than what Justin Herbert did in 2020, or especially what Jalen Hurts has did each of the last two years. So you don't pigeonhole yourself into, oh, we got to get this type of quarterback or we got to have this type of offense. Shane Sykin has proven throughout his decade in the NFL that he can do things with variety of quarterbacks, variety of offensive system, and in an ever-changing, innovative offensive game where quarterback means everything, the Colts had to go out and find a guy that, again, can provide the stability and comfort in developing whoever this draft pick is going to be. We will be, ca- we will be carrying the press conference live whenever it happens, by the way. 12-15. Oh, there you go. Because the precedent... Thank you, Mark. ...is there that he can work with quarterbacks of various styles, varying styles, I should say, does that, Kevin, now take away the necessity or alleviate the pressure of moving up to number one in the draft to get a we have to get this quarterback if there are in this draft if there are three maybe four guys that you feel you can run with right away as quarterbacks but they play varying styles do you now have a coach where you're like look it's not as critical that we move up into the number one to be able to pick the definitive one that we want because we have a guy that can work with a b c or d Totally fair question. I still think if you have a guy that you feel like is on a tier above Jake, you have to go up to one and get that guy. And I made this this whatever uh, analogy before, but just look at how Kansas City reacted to life with Andy Reid and Alex Smith. There came a point in time where they had to go and get the guy that even Andy Reid, as great of an offensive mind, can cover up everything. Kyle Shanahan, they went up to get Trey Lance. Again, Mahomes obviously in Kansas City. If Shane Steichen and the Colts and Chris Bauer believe that there is a guy out there that stands above the rest, you still go up there and get him. Now, to your point though, the benefit is you don't walk into this process with, to steal the phrase from Chris Bauer from a month ago, with an end in sight. It's not like you are saying here, Oh, only mobile quarterbacks will work, or yeah, o- o- only pocket I, passers are going to work here. You know, one of the things you've got an open mind with him. He may be able to weigh in, Kevin, on the aspect of. I mean, I'm not saying he would do so publicly, but Shane Steichen may well have it within his mindset of, look, I had a quick release laser thrower in Philip Rivers. I had a rollout strong cannon quote-unquote arm talent in Justin Herbert I had a quarterback draw open things up with his legs in Jalen Hurts and Shane Steichen may feel like and I had success with all three of those guys but the one that for me I found it easiest to have success success with was blank and then when you look at Richardson or Levis or Stroud or young, he may say, the guy that plays the style of play that I found to be the one that was the most interchangeably successful is blank. And, and I would lean on that expertise. I mean, that that that's pretty invaluable to have somebody that might have that kind of a of a perspective on it. But I go back to it also is dependent upon who he feels 
comfortable hiring or bringing in as his coordinator. Yeah, I think questions you have, Jake, that one is a huge one. Again, he came from Nick Sirianni in Philly, where Sirianni initially called plays. Sirianni did not call plays, of course, prior, unlike Steichen. Called plays to begin his tenure in Philly. Thought too much was on his plate. Passed him off to Steichen. So how does that impact his influence here on that? I'll be very curious for that. Obviously, which quarterback are you going to draft? You know, what type of leader is he? You know, I'll never forget Frank Reich talking about Shane Steichen. This was several years ago, but Frank and Shane worked together with the Chargers. And Frank mentioned he's an extremely bright guy, but also said it's a little bit more like Nick Sirianni from a personality standpoint. Now, I don't think he's going to be cussing out opposing fans after a win or necessarily crying during the national anthem, but I think he is going to side a little bit more on the outward energy, outward exuberance, maybe the public accountability a little bit more than what you saw with Frank Reich. I still think the question is fair to ask, again, how will he delegate? How will he manage the entire operation? Something that Nick Sirianni, I think, has mastered very well in Philadelphia is they are great situationally and they are uber, uber aggressive. Will those be things that we see from Shane Steichen. Now, one of the things that is the most critical of this, with the Colts, again, announcing within the last 20 minutes or so that they've hired Shane Steichen as their head coach. Um, Mark, that means that you and I are now going to be out. How did we, the draft that we had, Mm -hmm. I had the first overall pick. I took Raheem Morris. Yep. Which one of you drafted second? That was me. And you took? I took uh, Brian Callahan. Okay, and then... Kevin, was Shane Steichen your first or second? Yeah, pick? Shane Steichen three, and then who did I go with? I go Wink Martindale four or something <laughs> No, he like took Basashi next. Basashi four. Wink Martindale, Bubba Ventrone, Jake took more, Morris Saturday, Aaron Glenn with the Fever Dream, and Jim Harbaugh as the Dark Horse. And I took Callahan, Evero, uh, Biennemi, and Kafka. So that means because the wager was what the winner got what six pack of beer from six, the losers yeah, six pack from each now have you decided kevin what did did we determine that that we are i think we should take pbr off the table since we're going to have a pbr party anyway right we don't want to overload you here smart yeah uh-huh. um watch my so are we bit. are you picking your I, you beer know, or are we getting you what we would like i would like that to be the case. I think both of you have some creative uh, minds, and I would appreciate your uh, whatever you think floats now, the boat. Now, Colt 45 would appear to be appropriate, right? Uh, if you're going to go the 40 route, I would appreciate just a bag with it. Okay. Well, that, that comes standard, I think. Yeah, is that part but of it? But it needs to be a six-pack, though, right? I, you know, I'd prefer 12 beers. Because okay. usually by Friday, it's gets about six beers by Sunday. Like a six-pack of like the mini like Goldschlagers or something like you. that. How about Little Kings? They still make Little Kings? Six-pack of Four loco. Get your heart racing a little bit. <laughs> Boy, I was going to say, I think it'll be you and Jake then moving forward if you give me a six-pack of Four loco. Um I do think, Jake, outside of do you retain Gus Bradley, is Bubba Ventrone still here? What does he do on O-line? Who's the O-line hire? I, I'd be stunned if it was Jeff Saturday. I know a lot of people bring that up. Jeff Saturday needs to be the position coach. I don't get that vibe at all from him. But we talked with Ross Tucker earlier. And we'll re-rack that to close things out here. Because I think there's some great Shane Steichen insight from Ross Tucker. Who, again, does um, Eagles TV during the preseason. What did Ross Tucker say to us 
on if you could have a magic wand, what would Shane Sykin want to bring from Philly? Not Jalen Hurts, not an elite pass-catching group, but he talked about their offensive line. That is a very stout group. Their O-line coach has been there and is well, well well-respected for several seasons. Um, you know, do you go the assistant O-line coach route there? I think that is obviously a critical hire because your veterans regressed last year and you need to continue the development of Bernard Ryman. So to me, Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone seem rather like, okay, yeah, that's probably the route you should go on those coordinators. I would argue offensive line, I'm more interested to see who the hire is there than offensive coordinator. Unless your coordinator, I guess, is going to call plays. The coordinator to me is... Like, I'm kind of fascinated by that. We know, I I think we can safely say Gus Bradley's your D coordinator. If he calls plays, though, I would say plays more into that than me. I think the O-line coach is huge. For sure, the way they played last year, you're right. Just so much regression. Yeah, you're not kidding there. On that front. Um, This quote, again, this is from Frank Reich. States back a couple of years now, but in talking about Shane Steichen, he's a really, really smart Good football coach. A really good mind. He played quarterback in college. I would categorize him as one of the young, bright minds in this league. Very much like Nick Sirianni. I mean, he and Nick are a lot alike. So you guys know what I think of Nick, and I put Shane kind of in that same category. And when Frank took the job here in Indy, Shane Steichen was kind of working his way up the ladder with the Chargers, became Phillip Rivers' position coach, and then eventually the offensive coordinator, for Justin Herbert in the last couple of years he has been the Eagles offensive coordinator for Jalen Hurts hope springs eternal when it comes to coaching hires right it's a great point this is like the first layer of hope the Colts have had in months yeah this is it and when you think about the trend around today's NFL Jake again there are questions to have about Shane Steichen obviously but Look at the final eight teams in the playoffs each of the last two years. Offensive mind, offensive mind. And young guys, typically, right? And young. And considering the revolving door you've had at the most important position in sports, providing that stability. The the biggest pro to this hire is if and when this offense gets good, you're not going to have turnover with the system. The system is always going to be in place for however long this quarterback and Shane Steichen are paired together. You know, Sean McVay kind of, it's a trend-setting league, right? It's a copycat league. Sean McVay, you know, the young, kind of cool, energetic coach. And I know that that was just a year ago, but like all of a sudden, to your point, you look at the youth of the coach. I never thought I'd see it like the day of... The majority of elite level teams in the NFL, I realized that Andy Reid just won the Super Bowl and it's been around a long time. But it's a youth movement at the coaching position. I mean, guys, who is the oldest Colts player on the roster? Hmm. Boy, my guess would be maybe Rodney McLeod at safety. He's like 32. 30. Well, I assume you mean that Matt Ryan's gone. Well, I mean, that. You know, last year would have been Matt Ryan at 37. Foles and Rodney McLeod, I think, were 32 and 33. But now that I think about it, I think Rodney McLeod's a free agent, too. Uh, the boy, That's a good question. You know who's got to be closest? Probably R- Ryan Kelly. I mean, Matt Ryan was born on May 17th of 1985. Yeah, he's four years older than me. I'm, I'm 33. Well, he is... He is six days 
He was born six days after Shane Steichen. So how about that? I mean, you got a third youngest coach in the NFL right now. Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, Sean McVay with the Rams. He's the third? Yes. Yep. If you guys are good with it, I say we call a little bit of an audible here. I say we hold off on the pop quiz. No prizes that we're giving away with the pop quiz outside the Jiffy Lube oil chain. So let's hold off on that. Let's play that Ross Tucker interview next. I thought that was really good for those that missed it earlier. This is specific insight into Shane Steich. And we did this earlier in the show at 745. Uh, but, you know, at that point, as I was saying all morning long, I anticipate We're talking about somebody that's been around him a lot, too. This would happen. Pretty well. Yeah, so let's do that next. Let's get to a morning check down before we get to that. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, at 37 years old, the Colts have a new head football coach. He is Shane Steichen coming over to Indianapolis from Philadelphia. So I guess so much for the uh, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni are going to tell him not to take this job. That's right. <laughs> we have the that Philly shot. Indy Exchange continues, right? Continues, yeah. Nice internship program for the Colts. Um, again, 12.15 p.m., a press conference. Um, we will carry it live. Jim Mersey, Chris Boward will be a part of the opening press conference with Shane Steichen. Um, is Gus Bradley going to be the defensive coordinator? That'll be certainly be a question that is asked here with Shane Steichen back in November on a guy that he's worked with in Gus Bradley. This week we're going against a really good defense. I believe uh, they're fifth in total defense. Uh, they're really good on third down. I believe they're fourth on third down. Uh, I got a ton of respect for Gus Bradley, the coordinator. I worked with him for four years uh, in L.A. Uh, hell of a football coach, hell of a human being. Um, looking forward to the challenge. Uh, I know our guys are excited for it. So again, Shane Steichen, 12-15, right, Kevin? Yes, 12.15 for Shane Steichen. And you can hear that right here on this radio station as well as on the stream. College basketball tonight. Northern Illinois is at Ball State. The Cards 18-7, and 9-3 and in MAC play. That is a 7 o'clock tip at Worthen Arena. Michael Lewis's bunch has won five straight. Opposite direction is the way Notre Dame is headed this year. The Irish 10-15 and 15 overall and 2-12 and 12 in ACC play at Cameron Indoor tonight. Trying to snap a three-game losing skid at Southern Illinois at Valpo tonight. And Butler and Villanova, 8 o'clock tip out in Philadelphia. Shane Steichen shall be passing Butler tonight as they head in opposite directions. Now, did you, Michael Lewis, Notre Dame, you did that really close together. Was there a reason uh, for that? No, 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 no. Just, just saying. Okay. Uh, Pacers lose last night Maybe. to the Jazz. They've lost 16 of 18. Halliburton was really good. They couldn't guard anybody. But Jake Jordan Wara, decent. In his debut, yeah, he's okay. Had some okay. moments. Yeah, considering he's out there, probably has no idea what sets they're running, and but looked pretty good, I thought. Uh, one thing to note on Shane Steichen, you know, someone just texted me. You know, what do these young coaches look like in their first year? I know I brought this up last week about Steichen. If you look at last year's head coaching cycle, they had eight hires, so eight new coaches last year. Of those eight, five on offense, three on defense with the backgrounds. The five offensive coaches, four of the five finished that season above 500. The three defensive coaches, all three under 500, and Lovey Smith got fired. So I know it's a small sample size, but even just in last year's coaching cycle, of the five offensive hires, four of them finished above 500. Like that to me is extremely notable. Again, this is the trend 
that we're seeing in today's NFL. Shane Steichen, the new head football coach at the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll get some insight from Philly on that with Ross Tucker. Next. Shane Steichen, the new head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts. That was finalized just a few minutes ago. The press conference will be carried live right here on 107.5 The Fan coming up at 12.15 p.m. That will be Jim Irsay, Chris Boward alongside Shane Steichen. Earlier in the show, we got some terrific insight from Ross Tucker, who does the Eagles um, preseason TV, their color analysts and I began that in asking Ross where is the Shane Steichen influence felt the most in Philly probably the play calling and play design starting with when he took over midway through last year Um, he's really impressive and you know they had a super talented team all year but I think the two things that jump out to me are well three things I guess number one You know, it was not going well last year, midway through the year. So they totally revamped the offense. And, you know, we were in a situation where Hertz was not throwing the ball very well. So they went out of their way to make it a run-based offense and help them get to the playoffs. I mean, they were coming off a four-win season, and they're able to get to the playoffs in Sirianni and Steichen's first year. And the big change happened when Steichen took over as the play caller. That's number one. Then you look at this year, and the two things that really jump out to me this year, you know, Hertz was not even a top 20 quarterback, guys, in 2021. He was not a top 20 guy. This year, what did he get? Second in the MVP voting. And then, I think he played the best game of his life in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, look at all of the draft guides, look at all the previews, nobody, and I mean nobody, thought Hurts could be the type of player he was this year, and in the Super Bowl in particular. And I think Steichen deserves a lot of credit for that. The other thing is, and I watch every snap the Eagles play because of my different jobs, they were well ahead of the opposition pretty much all year. Now, they have a unique team with the, the talented roster and the best O-line in football, and Hertz has a unique skill set with his ability to run. But I'm just telling you guys, I mean, they barely even ever had a deficit this year. You guys actually probably got their worst offensive game of the year <laughs> against the Colts when they played in Indy this year. Um, but other games, man, it just felt like the D coordinators had no idea what to do. They were powerless to stop it. And we just saw it over and over again all year. I mean, those RPOs, when the quarterback can run or he can hand it or he can throw it, they just, I mean, they, they put these defenses in about, even the Super Bowl, the Eagles offense was pretty much unstoppable against, the, the Chiefs, they just had, you know, the fumble went the other way for a touchdown. Otherwise, they probably win. Ross, when I, when I look at the situation that presumably Shane Steichen's walking into, you know, the difference being, of course, in Philadelphia, you mentioned it. I mean, they have big-time playmakers. I don't know that Indianapolis has the open space guys like that, right? But he's worked with different quarterbacks of different skill sets. If you had to look to, to kind of review it, 
in terms of his work with Jalen Hurts, for example, is he a guy that that asked a quarterback more to conform to what he wanted, or did he more cater what he wanted his offense to do around the skill set of the quarterback itself? In other words, is Indianapolis pigeonholing themselves on what kind of quarterback that they need to now get, or do they have a guy that has the flexibility to give them variation of what they could end up with at the quarterback position? Yeah, so it's unequivocally the latter, right? Because I felt like they were kind of, when Sirianni was calling the plays last year, I thought it was sort of like they had their offense they wanted to run and they were trying to fit Hurts into it, and it just wasn't going very well. I mean, they didn't have the receivers. They didn't have the quarterback. It just wasn't good. So they went to a very, very run-heavy offense a year ago under Steichen because that was their best way to win games. I mean, that was their best way to win competitive, to be competitive. What's interesting is they go out and they get A.J. Brown, and then they see the improvement from Hurts in the spring and then in training camp. And so then they went to more of an RPO offense. But here's the thing, I mean – they still, I mean, they threw the ball most games to get the lead. And everybody said, oh, their run game, their run game. That was usually in the second half once they had gotten up by two scores throwing the ball. And you mentioned it, his background at his other plays with the other quarterbacks. You know, he'll see what they have now. Um, wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if they go out and get somebody else to play quarterback. But he will absolutely be able to design the offense around whoever it is they have playing that position. And he's Ross Tucker. You guys hear him everywhere. Host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Uh, he was on with us, I'd say, right around the Eagles game earlier this season. Some great insight on Shane Steichen right now. Ross, I don't know how familiar you are with the 2023 quarterback class just yet, draft-wise. Of course, when you have the fourth overall pick, that conversation uh, is pretty dominant here in Indianapolis. But if you look at Shane's history, I mean, Phillip Rivers, certainly a much different quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Justin Herbert, you know, these are very different QBs, the three that he's worked with most recently. If you look at Shane's quarterback history and you look at the quarterback draft class in 2023, do you see any matches there? Honestly, I think he could do a terrific job with any of them. Um, I really do. I, you know, I'm sure he'll fully evaluate, especially those top three guys, maybe top four if you include Richardson, and decide which one is the best for him. What I think is interesting is Now that he's spent a whole year with a guy as mobile as Hurts, I think that he has seen how much of an edge that is to be able to have a quarterback that you can do the RPOs with and that can run it enough. So I wonder if that would make him lean a little bit more to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson as opposed to Stroud and Bryce Young. You know, just from watching them, obviously I thought Stroud was really mobile against Georgia and looked good, but that doesn't seem to be... And Bryce Young moves around great. But neither one of them is like the runner that I think you want to have carrying the football six to nine times a game. 
and just being very good at knowing when to slide, when to get down. Uh, Levis and Anthony Richardson can both absolutely do that. I mean, first of all, you guys know I live in central Pennsylvania, so I also do some Penn State stuff. So I watched every snap Levis played. You know, back in the day, there was a competition between Tommy Stevens, who ended up getting drafted, and Sean Clifford, um, who was their quarterback, like started for four years at Penn State. And I had someone at Penn State tell me, like, hey, I'm just telling you, if you came to our practice, the guy that you would say, wow, who is that, was the freshman at the time, Will Levis. I mean, he is put together. He has a howitzer for an arm. The problem for him at Penn State was, you know, Clifford had kind of, you know, Clifford's first year as a starter when Levis was a true freshman, Penn State was really good. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl game. I think they won 11 games that year. So it was just kind of an uphill battle for Levis to ever actually be able to beat him out. But there were times when Clifford got hurt that Levis came in. And I remember at Ohio State, and they ran the crap out of Levis because he's so big and strong and athletic. Obviously, Richardson is a really unique player in that regard. I don't think it's a must-have for Steichen, but I got to think there's some part of him, after all the success he just had, that's going to be, um, let's put it this way, kind of like baseball, I think a tie will go to the runner for the Colts. <laughs> you know, tie will go to the runner. Mm-hmm. If he thinks it's pretty even between Levis and Stroud or whoever, um, I think he'll go for the guy with the running threat. Because I also know this, the more I talk to coaches, you don't have to have a guy that can do that. But, man, it's nice. Yeah, it helps, I right? Mean, and even, you know what's interesting, Ross? Getting, sorry, even just getting two first downs a game, you know, on, on third and long is big. Well, it, and it felt like, not to get into the weeds here on Ohio State football, but, you know, C.J. Stroud, who I think is massively talented, obviously, but I think Ohio State fans, Ross, were like pulling their hair out at times because he can run. He just didn't want to – I shouldn't say he didn't want to do it. I don't think it was instinctive towards him like he because his arm was so good. He would try to wait in the pocket too long to beat you with his arm. You almost – it feels like you would have to do specific designs for him, which obviously is the case with, with running the football at a quarterback position. But it's just not his natural instinct in C.J. Stroud, whereas the other guys – it feels like it's more natural to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so a couple thoughts on that. One, obviously, you know, I, Bryce Young is a very um, – Bryce Young kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Russell Wilson in his prime and that he just has this unique ability to always be able to buy time, find time to, uh, to make the play. But um, – you know, the Stroud conversation is an interesting one. I, I do a college draft podcast, it's called The College Draft with Emory Hunt, and he made an interesting point. You know, he wonders if sometimes, um, especially, quite frankly, um, with black quarterbacks, if they kind of go out of their way to make sure that people don't look at them as a running quarterback. And I hadn't really thought of that. In other words, I don't know how much of it was Stroud's instinct or how much of it is Stroud trying to prove I'm a pocket quarterback, I'm a pocket quarterback, I'm not 
uh, a dual threat quarterback, even though maybe he could do that. You know, maybe he's trying to prove a point, um, which I don't know if that's the case or not, but I did think it was an interesting point. Again, Ross Tucker is with us, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Just a couple more with you, Ross, and thank you for the time this morning. Um, obviously, Philadelphia is extremely talented. We've talked about Hurts, the pass-catching group, just absolutely the Colts fans would dream to even sniff that. And honestly, the offensive line might be the best in football. So if Shane Sykin could kind of wave a magic wand and bring any of those three with him to Indy, which would it be? Uh, probably the O-line. Yeah, I mean, it just it just lets them do so much. And I don't think the Colts are that far off there. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I do know that Ballard obviously prioritizes it. I'm not really sure what happened there where, you know, they paid big money to these guys like Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson. And it felt like, all three of them, their play dropped off a little bit this year. Something's wrong there, guys. Like, something's wrong. These are three guys in their 20s that are all, you know, highly compensated guys. Something is not right if it feels like all three of them take a step back in the same year. That that does not make sense to me. And so... Um, I'll be very curious to see who Steichen hires as the O-line coach. Let's put it that way. Because that'll be a, a key ingredient to it for sure. I would also say, you know, the offense he ran in Philadelphia, boy, that helps the O-line. I mean, when you have the RPOs and you have the quarterback capable of pulling the ball, you're almost always able to get good angles in the run game. And in the pass game, they can't just rush the passer right away because it might be a run. I mean... Puts the O-line in a good spot. My last question for you, Ross, is this. When it comes to Shane Steichen, you know, obviously we know offensively uh, about his ability to lead an offense. But what we know is that when you're the head coach, you got to lead both sides of the ball. Is there body of work to know what kind of leader he can be in terms of being a head coach as opposed to a coordinator? No, I don't think so. Other than, you know, I... I talk with him a lot, right? You know, the production meetings for the preseason games, on the field before games, he's really impressive. Really impressive. Does that does that mean it'll it'll translate to head coach? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, Sirianni was a guy that did not translate really well at the opening press conference, but was still able to be fantastic when they actually went ahead and, and had the game called, right? Like, he had a horrible, horrible initial press conference. I think Steichen will be very good in the press conference. He's very polished. He's very impressive. You know, I think the interesting question will be, does he continue to call plays? Sirianni decided halfway through his first year that he wasn't going to do that anymore, that he was going to give it to another guy because there is a lot on the head coach when it comes to game management, clock management, those sort of things. So it'll be interesting. Um, I will say there's not a body of work, but there isn't for any of these guys. I mean, there isn't for any of these guys until they become a head coach. Ross, terrific stuff, man. Thanks for waking up with us. Yeah, see you guys. Good luck with uh, sounds like the Shane thing's going to happen. I think you guys will love him. I'm a big fan.
And it became final a little bit earlier in the 9 o'clock hour. Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. The press conference today at 12.15. We'll carry that live right here on the fan. Shane Steichen, Jim Irsay, and Chris Ballard. We'll give you our final thoughts next. Well, Colts fans will be hoping that they fall in love with Shane Steichen. He is the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Pen to paper. Earlier in the 9 o'clock hour, press conference coming up at 12.15. You can hear that right here on the fan. Jim saying Chris Ballard will be alongside Shane Steichen. Jake, just putting a cap on it, your overall thoughts on the hire of Shane Steichen. I thought that Archie Miller was a home run hire for Indiana. I thought that, you know, other coaches that, are, that I've been bewildered by... By all account, it appears to be a very good hire. He's young. He's a cool-looking guy. He comes innovative, it seems, with offense. Those are all things that the Colts need. I also think that the X's and O's oftentimes are trumped by the Jimmy and Joes, and they got to get him players. Certainly. Um, you know, There are pieces to the pie that don't all just fall on coaching. Personnel is definitely a question, but... You look at the quarterback and the offensive background, the variety. I think that's such a key with it. Multiple stops, multiple quarterbacks, the styles of it, the styles of the offenses. Things look vastly different from stop to stop. Um, that all is, I think, a good thing in a league that you just is just pressing towards being more innovative, more quarterback friendly, all of that. And you know, we've certainly talked about this, Jake, for weeks now and months. The AFC has never looked like this. Never looked like this from a quarterback standpoint. All seven of the teams, 27 uh, quarterbacks, uh, all seven playoff teams, the quarterbacks of those playoff teams, age 27 or younger. And now it's time for the Colts to get in that mix, commit to a franchise QB and provide him the continuity and stability that Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts felt. Uh, Combine begins when? Two weeks from today, the Combine begins. We're hoping to have Shane Steichen with us at some point this week. We'll certainly keep you posted on that. But the Combine, we always have some interesting guests stop by. So we'll be down there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the first three days of March. We expect the Raiders group to show up about Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, 9.30 or so. Well, their times, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know. Anybody want a shotgun a beer with us? (laughs) What's night, what's morning, who knows. Everybody have a great Valentine's Day. Again, 12.15, Shane Steichen Presser right here on The Fan.